going on down there. I am real excited about a lot of things. Uh, like the fact that I just cold opened this into the podcast. But aside from that, TJ, I'm excited about... Boy, Hitman 3 is out tomorrow. Um, yeah. I am, it's looking good. I am so ex- Hitman and Hitman 2. The World of Assassination duology was my favorite video games. And the third one, now that they've gotten mm-hmm. over that little hump and they said, we do not want anyone to have to buy a game they already bought again, we'll figure something out. I'm like, all right. I'm, I'm, that's my only qualm I had, and I'm sure it's not even their problem, because uh, I, I read some threads, and it was like, did you know Hitman 2 and Hitman 1 came out under different publishers? And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and this one's out under, under, um, themselves as a publisher, so it's a, it's a whole thing. Anyway, I'm excited about that. Uh, but I'm, boy, more excited to talk to you today, TJ, about Netflix Chapter 2 Earthrise War for Cybertron Trilogy Generations, uh... The TJ is here with me, by the way, in case anyone is curious who I'm talking to. Yeah, yeah, he's not talking to himself or to like a previous recording or anything. Like I'm yeah. here. Uh, although TJ is the only one here, uh, Aaron is not with us uh, for this recording uh, for various reasons. Um, the most important of which being he's having a real rough time of it, uh, and he has not been able to make time to actually watch Earthrise. So uh, we didn't shut him out. Tried to figure it out, and then more stuff was making it difficult for Aaron to, to just sit down and actually watch the thing. And I wasn't like, make time for Earthrise! So we just talked, and he was okay with sitting this one out. So if anyone does really want here to hear Aaron's thoughts on Earthrise Episode 1, uh, hit him up on Twitter, um, or wherever, in the thread even. Why not? We welcome Aaron into the thread. Um, but by virtue of that, this episode is going to be basically an Earthrise uh, spoiler cast, but we will start off spoilerlessly with a few capsule thoughts, and then I, it will be clear when spoilers have started if you are listening to this and you do not want to be spoiled. So, uh, I won't kick off the capsules, I'm going to be a good host. TJ, um, just overall, if you were just crunch it down into a spoiler list, like someone says, how'd you feel about Earthrise, what would you say? Hmm. Uh, if I'm boiling it down to just, a, a like, a, a scant few sentences, I do feel like it's a better season. Mm-hmm. I feel like the writing is a little bit better. I feel like it's more ambitious, and it's trying to do more. I also feel like it's trying to do more a little bit too much, and kind of loses a little bit of focus on what new stuff it was doing. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, but, I hear what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Like, overall, like, I, I'm happier with it than I was with Siege. Like, I, I'm more invested in the characters this season than I was with the previous one. And I'm actually a little bit more interested in seeing what they're doing next, because they, they've set the stage. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was a, it's, a, it's a weird six episodes to get to that stage. But at the same... But I, I'm looking forward to it. And, and, like, if the writing quality keeps going up where they're hitting at this point... I think I'm going to be happy with the final season. Yeah, and uh, and I mean, for reference, like, you know, if you are listening to this podcast, you probably know the third part of this trilogy is Kingdom, and you probably know, because Kingdom toys are out now, like, and you've seen it for, you know, a chunk of last year, like, you know what Kingdom partly is, so this show had to get to there, um... My own capsule uh, is, I'm, I'm kind of cribbing this from, I saw more than one person say this, and I really agreed with it the first time I read it, uh... This was better than Siege, and also the same. 
uh, I think it really skillfully boils it down because I, I yeah, it is better than Siege. It is also more of Siege. If you really didn't like Netflix Siege, truly I would be surprised if Earthrise made you like just 180 degree out of that. You might enjoy it more, but it certainly is not um, changing the basic ingredients uh, in in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I I also would agree with what you said, TJ. I like it. I, I think that a lot of people felt that way from what I've read. A lot of people enjoyed Earthrise more than uh, Siege, and spoilerlessly, uh, I believe part of that. And again, this wasn't me like coming to this conclusion. I'm kind of just pulling from some conversations I've had since watching it. But there, there was there were Cyberverse uh, folks involved on the writing end, and you can tell that there was a little bit more of the good stuff of Cyberverse in this one uh, on a, on a concept level. Um. But let's stop being spoilerless. Let's get spoiler Lee. This is a spoiler podcast. Life is still hard, but at least we have Netflix Transformers to watch. Both lives will be peeled apart in the following recording. If you have not yet watched it but are listening to this podcast, then you live on a wavelength unknown to regular humans. Go forth and live your best life. And, uh, Finally. yeah, Jeez. let's, let's lay into You've it. been holding back a whole five minutes. What are you doing? Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I, I didn't want to wait anymore. I, it's, let's call it a New Year's resolution. I'm still working on the no more FOMO. So also how about the no more, no, no more FOMO, more, more YOLO. Uh, and you know what? That line is still better than the time when Red Alert in this show said, I'm always alert, and was replied to with dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very deserved dead silence. It's just a fantastic dead silence, although it felt real bad because he looked real proud of himself, you know, in, in his own way, the way he was framed. Uh, it's the kind of joke, like... Oh, I thought of that last night. I can't wait to bust this out. It's going to kill everybody. We think everyone's dead, and we're the last like handful of surviving Autobots, and this is how I'm coping. Uh, I just realized my my name, the back half of my name is the word alert, which I also use in conversation. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, there's one, one thing I'll say now that's a little bit more spoilerly. For me, this season's also my monkey's paw season. There is tons of monkey's paw for me. Uh, going off that old trope from... Yeah, yeah. You get what you want, and then they twist it I on got you. what I want, and then they made me maybe not want it anymore. <laughs> uh, remember how when Siege ended, I was like, boy, I hope we get to see what the Alita crew are up to. We got to see what the Alita crew were up to a whole lot. And then at a certain point, yeah. I was like, this isn't what I wanted them to be up to. <laughs> uh, and, and also, I'm going to say, for me, a lot of the bullet points of this season are good. The execution... Uh, was n- not for me. Uh, very good. Um, a lot of excellent bullet points that were delivered. It's like a whole lot of ingredients I like that were not mixed together or cooked. They were just put on a plate in front of me, and I was told I should eat them. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's media sushi. What do you expect? Yeah, except like it was like just just, just eat it, smile, be happy. Like none me. of it was sushi ingredients, though. It was like cake mix and and honey and some raw beef uh 
So, uh, yeah, we, we got to see, like, you know, what I'll start off with is Elita 1 uh, was in this season a lot and had a lot to do. Um, and she had uh, layers going on to her character. And yet, I think she ended up a little bit of a disaster in the sense that while she had lots to do, uh, I, I don't really know how to put this another way. She felt a whole lot like a lot of dudes that thought they were writing a very strong female character, and sometimes it worked, but I could never shake the feeling that I had I just laid out before I said that. <laughs> uh, there was some weird friggin' ideas, um, not with her as a character, but more with her situationally. Uh, but her actor was doing an admirable job, I think. Um she definitely was taking up a strong leadership role, uh, and, you know, she she was to the point of being, in fact, a prize, how good she was at being a leader. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, TJ, let's, uh, let's, let's bop over to you. How are you feeling about Alita 1 uh, in the show, or in this season? I mean, I definitely like her better than I did in the first season. It helped that Optimus wasn't yeah, there, we, we I think. S- yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so she wasn't just a foil for whatever Optimus was actually thinking. Yeah. I mean, I li- I liked her in the leadership role here. Like, I, I mean, I, I like, I like the, I like, I like the approach of the character. I like some of the things she did. Uh, I do kind of agree that there's elements of her that just come off a little bit weak in contrast, like in contrast to some of the stronger moments. You know, like mm. freeing the Decepticons in the beginning. I like that. That made me want to get a scrap. A scrap face. Talk. I mean, hell yeah! I, I got to remember to talk about that. That you know, my critiques on Scrap Face's absence were definitely answered in this one. Yeah, I was like, because we went through that with Siege. We're like, well, it's weird. They have all these toys for characters <laughs> that don't exist in the show. And, oh, hey, look, they actually did something with Scrap yeah, Face. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck finding it in the store now. But hey, it's there. It was a little, little bit late. A little bit late. But hey, we got there. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. No, like I, I think, I, I think what lends uh, Elita one such credence is how elated Megatron was when Starscream brings her in. Mm-hmm. It's one of the fair. It's one, I think one of the few times in fiction that Megatron actually praises Starscream. Yeah, yeah, I forgot he praised him in that scene. <laughs> yeah, for once, Starscream, I'm impressed, and that's. Just in little things like that tells you just like how much of a thorn Elita One has been, and just how strong she's been in Optimus Prime's absence. Yeah, and and she definitely like I I, I appreciate like how they uh, made it pretty clear that like there are no other Autobots, uh, and that this is sort of this hopeless. We need to do this because what else are we going to do? Kind of cause that she's you know pushing through. Uh, there was a scene I, I didn't like. It was kind of weakly delivered, but I, again, I, I'm gonna say this a lot. I like the concept of it when she and Jetfire were kind of having that like the talk whilst all the the troops were supposed to be out of earshot. Um, just you know about about the 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 rationality and the proportionality of the situation. Um, and and conceptually, I really like how much Megatron uh, respects her when she shows up and wants to bring her over to his side and etc. But also, it was sort of it was one of the first um, of the, of the two major moments where I'm kind of like, I don't know. It, it also had this weird vibe of like, listen, we can kill the rest of them, but you, you should join my side. Uh, 
and, and I was sitting there kind of going like, is he also going to be like, and, and be, be my, be my girlfriend. And, and <laughs> I don't know. There was, there was something like very, like, I want the woman, uh, about it. And I don't know. It was weird given how he was like, just whole, wholesale, uh, literally eating, most of the people who are following him. Um, and then, I don't know, I think the idea is supposed to be she is such a valuable resource, why would you, you know, just, like, strip her down for fuel? And it's like, okay, it's cool, but partly, I think, also because of the, um, I'm not going to say fast, just the the deranged pace of a lot of these six episodes, it felt really just uh, off-balance, Um and yeah, I don't know. I, I, it didn't. It didn't like really bug me that much. But also, I was like, okay, we're doing this thing too. Cool. And then by the end, was it by mm-hmm. the end of the episode? He was like, well, you don't want to join me, then okay, we are gonna. I'm gonna eat you. Then put. We're gonna. We're gonna turn you into some some fuel. I don't know. It just moved so fast. It, like I, it didn't have enough time to set up why he would want her to uh, join his side, and then didn't spend enough time for that to matter before. <laughs> They kind they kind they kind of summarized it with Megatron saying, you know, "If you'd been in charge, maybe I would have followed you." Like, there's a, there there is a there's a. I'm trying I'm trying to find the right word here, uh, not not like an admiration or a respect, but just an acknowledgement. Yeah. That she has been she has been this effective as an opponent. If I could turn her, maybe. You know, I, I... if I could maybe you know. Get her on my side. Get her to like me. Maybe go out with me. You know that kind if of I thing. If I buy her pretty flowers, maybe she'll think I'm cool. <laughs> I have a head on my table. Uh, little little <laughs> little note slips into her prison cell. Do you like me? Check yes or no. <laughs> you go to prom with me. Uh, I I also think it would have made more sense to me if I remembered him, like giving a crap about her in season one or in the siege season did he and i am am i forgetting it i don't know like i I feel like if it was a through line from season one it also would have been a stronger moment as it was it felt a little just out of nowhere uh yeah and i i if if i am misremembering and there was like a through line from siege like i'm not saying that to be snarky i'm like genuinely i might have just forgotten um then you know I, I I will totally accept that like I I missed a through line on there. Uh, yeah, it, it feels like they're just trying to lampshade the whole like this is how annoying Elite has been for Megatron since Optimus left. Yeah, like I don't think there's a, like a through line or anything. I can't remember. I can't remember like any direct reaction or like opinion Megatron had of her before this. Yeah, it's just a. Also, I feel like she wasn't really at it that long. <laughs> uh since siege so i'm kind of like this is really i mean granted megatron's like talking to a head on his table you know maybe maybe stuff's kind of crumpling a little bit for him um well we we don't we don't know how long everyone was knocked out on the arc yeah yeah could have been could have been uh weeks could (laughs) now i'm being snarky um i i (laughs) megatron just staring down elite one you've been a thorn in my side the last Day and a half. My admiration for you has uh, blossomed like this flower I'm giving you. Uh, I'll drop that. Um, I, I, I think it's a cool. Uh, it is a cool way to, to to draw a plot line out of her. You know, her G one bullet point that she is of like you know running the the Autobot resistance on Cybertron while everyone else is on Earth having a cartoon. 
Um, mm. And uh, and you know, she uh, she then went on to to you know escape thanks to thanks to Scrapface, and then she got to her other kind of weird scene. So they're they're doing this whole thing where they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna blow up the uh, you know the 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 fuel sucking operation and the and the the whole base and whatnot. Uh, and then she has she has this, this cool fight with Shockwave, and then Shockwave wins. And then Shockwave like straps her to a table, uh, which he's—I don't think he's done in this show. Because immediately I was like, "Oh yeah, the thing he does." And then I, you know, I thought about it a bit, and I'm like, "Wait, I'm thinking a Cyberverse." Um, and then he he straps mm-hmm. her to a table, and then goes to like cut her throat with the world's tiniest scalpel. <laughs> and the whole thing I thought was just like weird. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And also the scalpel is literally like the handle is bright red. That means it's a good guy scalpel. And you know, then she then uses it to escape. So I was right. Uh, but it was just such a friggin' weird scene. And then it was mentioned to me and I was like, no, you're right. Someone's like, you know, that's also a trope strap the action lady to a table and then like come at her with the world's tiniest knife. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's so it's so super villain. It's just it's such a weird you know, thing it, for Shockwave to do at that point, though. Yeah. It's like okay, I know you're trying to blow up this whole state, this whole you know coliseum, you know, and try to ruin all of our plans to kind of refuel Cybertron and all that. Uh, I'm gonna dissect you now. I always wanted to just cause. I always wanted to just cut specifically one inch of your neck. Um. <laughs> So yeah, she's like you know strapped to a table while the base is going to explode, and then we don't know if she got away, and we'll find out next season, I'm sure. Like also, if that is her like dying at the end, what a freaking letdown! <laughs> I but it was put together in a way where there's yeah. no way she's dead. Like that was absolute, you know, you didn't see the body kind of thing. That's that's cliffhanger material. I'm sure she's all right. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, could she escape the explosion when they haven't animated a vehicle mode for her? Well, just we don't know how fast it is. She did, no, no, she has a vehicle mode, doesn't she? Didn't she use it once oh, in Siege? She, that, oh God! Now I'm trying to remember. Oh, I'm never going to remember. Now I'm having a total Bernstein Bears moment. I might have. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because now you got me questioning that. Oh, what have I done? <laughs> what? What? I you know either way she could have gone in, into a manhole cover, um, you know, gone underground. Uh, that whole explosion at the end is, is very unclear. Like, I, it's a it's a cliffhanger explosion. Like, there's absolutely no confirmed fatalities in that explosion, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, Elita uh, was was probably one of the stronger characters of the season. It's but also really had some weird stuff going on that felt like she was like having to not only carry her own plot but then be an object in Megatron's plot and then be like a set piece for Shockwave at the end. Uh mm-hmm. and you know, I don't know. It, <laughs> I came away from it going like, man, Elita certainly could have been better and was okay. Uh and I, I I feel bad saying it because like her actor is so into the role and is having such a good time with it, and I yeah. I don't want to diminish that because you know that actor is, is it's, doing it's, a decent it's, job. <laughs> is it bad to say that like, she's probably the only one super excited for the Elite One toy? I mean, some of us were pretty hyped until we got it. I, 
until until we got RC and then <laughs> still the best version of that no, mold. It's a better I, toy than RC, I think. It is the best of that yeah. that mold so far. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I, mean, I feel like they are setting Elite One up to be like the hero over on Cybertron for season yeah. three. You know, so so it, it's. I feel like I feel like it's a little bit of a, a cursory judgment right now since we've only gotten about half of her time in the spotlight. Oh yeah, yeah, and and I, you know, I'll say it again. I am absolutely assuming she's going to be in season three. There, that would be such a. There's several characters for whom that would be the most wasteful way to have ejected them out of the story, uh, if they were yeah. lost to that explosion. <laughs> I mean, and how. Like how appropriate because this is her this is her adversary from the G one cartoon. Yeah, again another cool throwback. Yeah, so we, yeah. Um, although I will say for Shockwave, there every single line of sh- of Shockwaves I kept redoing in my head with a calmer voice and thinking it sounded better. Uh, <laughs> not I'm gonna not beat the drum too much, but like Shockwave was the, one of the real standouts of like I really wish that this character had been i'm gonna say directed differently i have something else i can i can say about that uh or that i want to say about that later um mm-hmm. again not a bad performance just the actual performance you know notes are not what i would have liked for shockwave especially by the end in that whole sequence if if, if like and, and during the season he says it's a good thing i deleted all my emotions and then he's wandering around going like, it's a good thing I deleted all my emotions. And then he go- goes up to Alita with this tiny, the world's tiniest scalpel, gets interrupted and goes like, nah, and like stabs the thing into this, the table beside her head for some reason. Literally acting on his emotions so that she could be free after stating he has deleted them. Uh, I wish Shockwave was better. <laughs> a lot. I mean... Calm Shockwave is always best Shockwave, right? Yeah. He's a creature, like he's a creature of logic. He shouldn't get excited, which is also the reason why it's weird. Or he suddenly wants to dissect somebody. Yeah, and, and it's just all of that coupled with the part where he straight up went like, "Good thing I deleted my emotions." And I'm like, "Okay, but you can't say that as a throwaway cool line. That's a character defining kind of line." <laughs> yeah, especially if you're going to get angry five minutes yeah. later. Angry in a plot critical way. After doing an illogical thing like strapping her to a table, <laughs> yeah, for and, and stabbing the knife in proximity. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, any or, it's like how James Bond do we want this scene to be? That is that is a very valuable uh, reference to throw into that as well. I think. Uh, anything else, Alita One, you want to throw out there, or uh, shall we continue? No, let's roll. All right, on. I'll pop it over to you. What's uh, what's something you want to bring up? Uh, let's kind of following a little bit in order. We can talk about some mercenaries. I think. Yeah. Uh, th- there were more of them than I thought. Uh, there were going to mm-hmm. be, and uh, the Coneheads appear to be. Um, uh, well, the Conehead two pack. Well, no, what was it? The Conehead two pack? No, Thrust was one of them. I'm, it's all three Coneheads. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> It's assault uh, Yeah, they were they were there to round out the ranks of the Mercs. Um, Double Dealer had a robot mode. <laughs> he did. He certainly did. Um, I'm, no one in the crew transformed. No, even the ones based on even the one based on Wheeljack who did transform. I, I have nothing nice to say about Exhaust in the show. He was a disappointment. They didn't even, <laughs> didn't even do the. I they, okay. Here's what I'll say. A, I was like, why didn't she give him his head? 
And then B, I was like, okay, you know, that is new. That is modeling. That is modeling you have to do. And if, if there's a crunch, then yeah, I mm-hmm. see it. Or if there's like a rigging issue where like the very rigging of this model makes it a colossal set of programming and, and backend stuff to do a new head. I get it. But then scrap face had all these friggin' yeah. chunks of his face missing. And I was like, well, you did that for scrap face. Like- <laughs> it's modification. That's not like we have to redo the whole model in order to incorporate this differently shaped yeah head. and and like i said there could have been a tech thing that that made it more difficult than simply like changing some rigging assets although my understanding of things would would dictate that that also means that the models were perhaps a little bit shoddily built from the ground up but you know who knows maybe maybe they didn't yeah. even know there was a new head for exhaust until it was too late to do up a new piece of cg stuff i mean that's that's possible too yeah um, I feel, I feel like there's a lot of room where all these like nameless repaints in the back, just as crowd fillers could have been references, you know, instead of this, like, it, you know, like instead of like a purple side swipe in the background, it could have been our model wheel jack just, just for fun. But yeah, I feel like knowing what season three is. That a lot of things like that, swapping heads, you know, you know, applying like special textures for reference referential stuff. I feel like a lot of that got sidelined because so much is going to have to be done for season three. Oh yeah, even if even if they are only doing like the wave one characters for season three, as far well, we're talking about beasts, by the way, spoilers. Uh, yeah. Even if they're only doing like Dinobot, Cheetor, Black Arachne, Optimus Primal, and Megatron, that's still like. I think more new stuff than they had to do for this season. Um, yeah, and animals are going to be a lot more, like a lot more fluid to animate than a car. Yeah, so you've got you've got more complex models as lo- as well as just every you know all the different characters it's going to require. Yeah, I like to kind of cap it off on exhaust. I got over exhaust, but I was disappointed. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Bugbite was a. I mean, Bugbite even got the funny line where he points at Bumblebee and is like, "Look at the ugly one here." And it's like, I get it because you guys look the same and you have no self awareness or colossal self loathing. I'm not sure which. Uh, but yeah, the 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 Mercs were were up to some stuff. Uh, I felt like we missed the middle of their story, if that makes any sense. I mean, we we you could say that. I, I feel like I feel like we got like a very like short version of what the middle of their story was, hmm. because we did because we 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 got to see them introduced, and then they're, they 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 take a break, we get a little bit of an explanation, and then oh, we shouldn't have made a deal with a guy named Double Dealer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although is Double Dealer alive? Um. That I don't I don't know. The Quint said that they were like maybe like I don't know. Like the Mercs did not do well. No, they didn't. Exhaust and Bug Bite are floating back to Cybertron very slowly right now. I was I was down with the what happened to them because it propped up my boy. Um who definitely like, oh boy I, I have some stuff to say about a couple characters who are in fact the most powerful transformers in this universe um but uh yeah i mean i mean double dealer was the when we last saw him he had this really cool like eyeball flicker thing going on because he was you know being being puppeteered 
and then then was unconscious, mm-hmm. and then the ship he was unconscious on exploded. So I, I don't have lots of hope. I, I I'm going to assume exploding on a spaceship, even off screen, is going to count as dead because it's a little hard to a little hard to come back from that. Yeah, and that's a little disappointing to me because I think another like among the wrinkles of what Kingdom could be, having the Mercs active on that Earth as well would have been fascinating. Uh, I mean. If you want to have him show up as his big robot condor <laughs> amidst all of the beasts that we have in next season. That's yeah, that's like what they, what we've been waiting for this whole time is he actually is on 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 Earth. That's where he scans his condor mode. <laughs> hey, you know what? If we're right about this, then friggin' pay us <laughs> Netflix. Yeah. We we figured out your gambit. Um yeah, I, I also uh, I don't know. I just I really, especially every time they started mentioning like their ship was called the F- the Fool's Fortune or whatever, and I'm like, these Mercs sound really cool, and I wish that uh, how do I put this that we picked to follow them around for this season, uh, as opposed to splitting focus so much. I'm, I'm not sure. Sh- I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I wish we had followed them as much as, like, I could have done with a more cursory story on Cybertron so we could flash back to the Mercs more often. Yeah. Just so I could see their dealings with the Quintessons a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, I just I just felt like really cool stuff I would have liked to know more about happened outside of the episodes I was watching. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, boy, Double Dealer. Leader Class Double Dealer. Leader Class Double Dealer. Purchase now. Mm-hmm. Um, believe us, he has two modes. Uh, <laughs> believe us, he might not be dead. Um, I, f- I feel bad about the Mercs also because I, f- I don't know, I was really excited when they got, um, highlighted in the, in the Earthrise teaser. Uh, mm-hmm. there are a lot of, a lot of things in that teaser I was really excited about, and I do think it's cool that that teaser didn't actually show us a whole lot, but I also feel like simultaneously most of the things in it that were really cool didn't get to be very cool for me. Um, as much as I would have liked anyway, the, the Mercs being one of those parts, I, I was also kind of hoping we'd through them hear some more from Sound Blaster. <laughs> uh, cause I like Sound Blaster. I, I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, the way this, the way it paints the Mercs is a little bit weird, where it's like, well, we're not a faction, but there's also Sound Blaster on Cybertron and these guys floating around space and they all wear the same symbol. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, th- like there was a like, I know it was sort of it was part of the the delivery of like what factions, but it was also weird when Optimus Prime was like, "Oh, you're from the Mercenaries faction," and it, it just made Optimus sound really like ignorant of the world around him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you're the Mercenaries faction, and they're like, "Yeah, fact factions. What?" I, I hope we I hope we get to see some more Merc stuff. Cause I, I don't know. It would, it would just be a shame if this was it for the Mercs. Uh, and and we get we get to Earth, we get to Earth and Tarantulas as a Merc. I will flip my lid if that because you know that would mean he would have to know stuff about where the Merc symbol came from and whatnot. Uh, I mean, I say I'll flip my lid. I think I said that about some stuff that I didn't end up flipping my lid about in this one. So I should temper myself back a little bit. Uh, but then, anything else Merc wise? Um, I'm trying to think of what else they did. Uh, the Coneheads were just sort of there. Yeah, they filled space. But like Coneheads are also the like we talk about like why didn't Exhaust get his new head? The Coneheads got their new heads. 
Yeah. So it's not a matter of rigging. I guess. Didn't the I mean the Coneheads the cone, like Coneheads got all of their new stuff? Yeah, maybe because the Coneheads had more going on with their bodies, like that just meant inherently they got the attention first. Because it's like, well, they got to have the wings attached to their legs and stuff. Uh, okay, well, okay, I am going to correct because I just looked at it. No, they they've got the generic wings going. Oh, but yeah, new heads <laughs> like they were they did re rig the models, so it's, it's not like they were incapable. I'm freshly mad about exhaust. What's up, everyone? Uh, <laughs> exhaust, yeah, exhaust just looks like evil. That wasn't basically now. to me. That wasn't exhaust. That was just some goon, or that was that was some exhaust fanboy who was like, "Well, no one knows where exhaust is, but all they know is that he looks like Wheeljack." So I'll just—I happen to be a Wheeljack type. I'll just paint myself and tell them I'm exhaust. I, I bet you, like behind, you know, off screen, they were constantly going like, "Man!" Like aside from Bug Bite, I guess everyone was like, "Man, what's?" The, I thought Exhaust was this cool guy, but he seems like a thug. He just seems useless. What? Who is the? <laughs> maybe the Legends of Exhaust are just not, not there. Um, and a Bug Bite's like, "No, I'm really into this dude. He seems really cool." Because secretly, I'm from Gobatron, and I'm weird. Uh, <laughs> none of that was said on the show. I'm making all this up. I, <laughs> I wish that some of that stuff could have yeah could have yeah. been mentioned. Um, shall we bounce from the Mercs? Because I got a, we got a real obvious place we can go from them. Yeah, bounce, bounce. Decius the Quintesson. Uh, let me lay out the bullet points of why I think Decius is really cool. Decius, the rogue Quintesson, the breaker of chains, the breaker of shackles, the one who freed uh, the Cybertronians from their G1 cartoon origin that this show is rolling with, that the Quintessons made them, and then they, they, they went free, and then they added a little bit of that uh, the space magic to it, where they're like, hey, maybe the Quintessons are, like, pseudo-deific, and, like, this is the one who, who broke the chains. Uh, except Decius is then like, you know, hey, but then you all fought each other, you numbnuts. Uh, and then, uh, and so that's kind of cool, and Decius is working with mercenaries, and then Eventually, after uh, finally finding the 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 Autobot leadership and and being frustrated with what Decius was faced with, the Decius they they decide to to change the chain. Eventually, like I'm no no more consensus. Decius decides for the first time. Quintesson carves their other four faces off because in this case they're also a little bit cyberversy in that the faces are all individual uh, personalities. Carves the faces off, says no to to consensus, and we get some Quintesson body horror as this, like, one-faced, four-stumped Quintesson is like, I have decided to just be wrath! Uh, boy, that's all super cool. So here's the part where it lost me. Happened in one episode! (laughs) (laughs) From within the span of 20 minutes! (laughs) So you learned that this is the great liberator of the Transformers. The part of Divergence where this version of G1 differs from the original cartoon. And this is how things turned out if they had a Quintesson setting them free. And this is supposed to be like the, like, yeah, like the breaker of chains, and then decides uh, now. Now is when I'm sick of this, and I'm gonna go in the back and shawarma myself. Yeah, th- this this whole, like, uh, it, it took one... 60 second conversation with actual non-merc Cybertronians for Decius to decide to self-mutilate on both a a, a psychological and physical level. And and again, I feel like I missed a whole lot of some other story. (laughs) Yeah. Like, there's gotta be, like, 
got to think there's like centuries of buildup to this. Yeah. Or like, I'm... T- I'm so sick of the other me's. We will reach consensus. Ah, It's a perfect illustration of what I was talking about at the top of this, about like really cool ideas delivered in a way that left me frustrated. Something like Decius, something like the Decius story. I should, that, that is my, my ish. I should be into this, but it was delivered at this just deranged breakneck, uh, pace of like, look at this really cool thing we did. All right. Anyway, we killed it. Now we're going to go do something else. Is, is how I felt about a lot of things in the season. I mean, yeah. I mean, what it feels like with Decius is they didn't want to write the Quintesson because they didn't, because it is a difficult thing to write for a character who has to switch between emotions, especially when you decide you're going to have them be alternate personalities. Mm hmm. You're dealing with five characters you have to figure out within the exact same consciousness. I can kind of see where they'd want to get rid of that as fast as possible. Although, like, we're inclu- they're, the, they're the ones who made the work for themselves. <laughs> like, I mean, this is true. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, if it's just like a normal G1 Quint, then you just switch faces. It's one personality switching faces to show different emotions. Yeah. I feel like going with... This five personality thing was the way that they shifted that to give them an excuse to shut to sh- slice off the four faces. I was faces. so excited when this character was introduced as having like five entities in one Gestalt body, and not like Gestalt like combiners, but like an actual like Gestalt entity. Like like I was I was like oh this was like so fascinating with the Quintessens in Cyberverse. I I am actually more excited about this than I thought. I like it. It felt almost insulting just to me personally when it was like, "All right, anyway, we're gonna carve <laughs> off all that interest now." Uh, and I mean, also, it you know, DC's didn't die at the end of that episode, but then DC has just disappeared until the final episode in a bit uh, to reveal another. D- DC has just kind of wa- DC has just kind of walked off. Yeah, and then showed up again, revealing a really cool idea of like nah I'm I've integrated I've used my personality matrix whatever to integrate into double dealer and I'm like that is so freaking cool man I can't wait to see what you do with it oh you oh no you double de- you drop double deal and then your arm got blown off and you've left and your ship exploded. Okay <laughs> <laughs> Yeah it's just drops double dealer walks off into the shadow and we have maybe maybe DC has survived. I'm I'm certain maybe? I'm certain DC's like DC's feels like Decius will be will be an antagonist in in season three. That that has to be the case. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, that is the goldfish memory writing. Like the, that, Decius has to be in season three. Um, but yeah, I I was really let down by the Decius thing, not because of the content, but because of the delivery. That was that just felt like it didn't want to wait it didn't want to wait to see if i liked it it was almost like nah, i don't want to know if you liked it or not because i got other things to show you uh mm-hmm. and yeah i like i'm really sorry uh to the listeners that i'm so down on this because i wish i liked this more i like this idea so much uh in bullet points um Ah, that opening scene, just like the switching the faces, hearing the different voices, the very different voices. Uh, such a, such a cool idea. I can't, un- I mean, I understand, I guess, but I'm just agog at how it was discarded, literally discarded, uh, so fast. Mm-hmm. 
Like I love I love seeing Quince in Transformers. I I, lo- I love what they add to the lore and you know what they do to just to flesh out the existence of Transformers in general. I'm not a fan of just making one just like a generic enemy like this. Like Quintessons I I'm I like Quintessons that are more complex creatures than that. Yeah, it's it just felt yeah, I don't know. It, it just felt like a let a really weird letdown. Uh and I mean I I'm trying to, I'm also left struggling to remember what Decius's motivation was from that point onwards other than like I'm wrath. Like you know, it's just like I'm mad at y'all and I hate you. And like that's it. Mm-hmm. And and maybe that was supposed to be like some deeper take on the whole thing where they're like we you know, if we say you're innocent, we kill you too. But I don't know. It it wasn't deep. It felt like it maybe was hoping to be, but it, you know, missed missed the mark. I feel, and it was not a lovely like that was episode two where I was already like, well, <laughs> at least I don't know what the rest of the season is other than Galvatron pops in because that was your whole trailer thing was basically episodes one and two. So that is a, a props to them for keeping the trailer really contained, and there were some fun surprises afterwards. Uh, mm-hmm. I just I had to really get the taste of of the DCS letdown um, out of my palate. Uh, anyway, and, and you know, one other thing, I was like, you know, if the toy could at least do that too, but you can only remove two of the faces, and you have to do a lot of work to do that. Like it's not yeah. even a toy thing. <laughs> uh, Anyway, uh, if we want to move along, TJ, let's uh, let's pop back over to you. Let's do the hot potato thing. Um, see, you mentioned something that I think needs to wait a little bit because that's a whole thing in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we can move on to other returning characters because we've got to see Scorponok. Yeah. Uh, what a cool idea. So yeah, so Scorponok is like he's not the mastermind that he was in most of the other fictions. He's just a a a giant brute of a Decepticon who's just I don't know, just pissed. Yeah, he's the for like a the last terms. of the Scorponok. The last of the Scorponok. That's upsetting. There's a whole crew of Scorponoks. Yeah, like. What if we get to, we're gonna we're gonna get to Kingdom and there's gonna be a Scorponok there and they're like, oh he wasn't the last. <laughs> Except this one was really tiny and also an imbecile. I, <laughs> I mean, was he because sometimes he's an imbecile and sometimes he's like inventing toxins and viruses. I like I like to think that he was like I like to think he was he was a deep enough character that he was both. He's very good at toxins, very bad at everything else. He's he, he's good at what he knows, and then he knows nothing yeah. else. And among the things that he probably should have learned as a skill set, don't fall into lava. <laughs> uh, Just note, note for future reference, lava bad. Don't rely on that silly hover platform. <laughs> it will bite mm-hmm. you in the butt, and you will miss out on being a transmitter. I don't know why you're when you're hovering, something... Sh- that your physical surroundings shaking threw you into lava, but we'll go well, with like, it. You know, Scorponok was so bad at everything that wasn't toxins. <laughs> <laughs> he somehow managed to fuse himself to his hover platform. Yeah. What does it say about Pterosaur? Because he can fly. 
I like to think that Terrasaur just like suffered a blow to the head that morning. Because otherwise, I got nothing. I got I got nothing. <laughs> uh, however, we're talking about the last of the Scorpionok. Uh, Talk about the last of the Scorpionoks who. who tried his best to be the horror movie monster, who tried his best to be the alien on the ship. Mm. God, it's... I just... I love seeing Scorponok in animation again. Like, a proper, gigantic Scorponok is so cool. Yeah. Yeah, <sighs> uh, transformation was... That was a good off-screen trans... That was a, a good off-screen transformation. Excellent use of the noise for dramatic effect. You just hear the noise, deep-pitched and slightly slower, yeah. and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's an interesting way of doing... It, it, well, I'm, I'm going to say it's like it's a different way of doing a Scorponok. I'm not sure if it's an interesting way of doing Scorponok, because you're boiling down to just being a monster. Yeah. At the same time, he's an extremely effective monster. Oh, yeah. Because we haven't... Yeah. We haven't gotten to Earth yet. We don't technically know what a scorpion is, so he's just a monster. Mm-hmm. And and he, you know, he and, does some cool monster stuff with some of the poor cogs, the the cog squad. Um, you know, some of them seem to have just replenished and were you know immediately red shirted. One of them, quite literally, the red cog, uh, gets it, and yep. I I loved it. I, mm-hmm. It was it was really fun. I don't know. To me, it was actually fun seeing these crowd shots or you know multiple characters, but also just by happenstance, a cog I didn't notice before was standing with them, and I'm like, oh, you're the one. Who's gonna? You're you're gonna get bodied. You're gonna get deleted in some fun way. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like there's a weird moment. I th- I thought it was weird because he he is just angry at everyone invading his ship, but he stops. Like after a lo- after a, after a lot of this fighting and chasing, he's just crawling around on the wall to give exposition for his backstory. And then he just starts. Com- he starts comparing Megatron to the Quintessons, which just pisses everybody off again. Mm-hmm. And we start fighting again. It, that that felt a little bit weird. It's a glimpse into like there's a little bit more to him. And once again, I'm this is where I'm kind of with you. Is like I feel like I missed an interesting story here. Yeah, I feel I, I feel like I, I want to know what happened and wh- like what happened to the other Scorpionox. What like outside of just the Quintessons. Killed them all. Yeah, they they had him reveal some interesting information. Got my got my interest peaked. I was like, this is really cool. And then they found a way to go. Anyway, now we figured out they're all gonna fight now. So uh, forget about all that. And mm-hmm. I was like, again, again, um, one of many times in Earthrise where again presented with a really cool thing, and then the show goes like, anyway, you don't care about that. Let's get back to something else. And it's like I would I would have liked mm-hmm. to to meditate upon any of this for for more than yeah. five minutes. Uh. <laughs> yeah, this is all. I think this is also like the where we start seeing like characters just kind of stop existing. Like we don't write them out in any way. They just leave. You know, Scorpionox left floating in antigravity and then never comes up again. You know, same with DC. It's just wandering off into the shadow. Like. I don't know. I it's like it's open ended, so I guess they do anything they want in season three. But at the same time, I'm like, are you like, are you writing these characters to use them, or are you just like filling out the episodes? Because I want to see what happens to them. 
Like, if if Scorponok's just a thing, let's at least let the good guys, like, beat the thing, and not, and, you know, and actually, like, come across as the heroes. Or if, you know, if De- or if Decius is just gonna, like, jet off into Season 3, or just left ambiguous, what happens? I kind of want the ending here. Like, well, especially for... I just kind of kind of sick of just, like, characters just going away. For such a serialized show, like, like this, the, those Scorponok episodes, the whole thing with Nebula's station felt like really cool sci-fi stuff. Like, some of the, the just, a, I've seen other people oh, say yeah. it, and I agreed, like, that was like a really cool idea for an episode of Cyberverse. This whole space station that, like, wedged oh, yeah. itself into a, a space bridge. You, if you walk through it on the other side, there's just some alien planet with with foliage and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, this is all really cool. And then this is like Cyberverse concepts, but then it's like elevating it and widening the scope and increasing the volume of the gravitas to where I'm like, oh, I'm really into this. Yet at the end, it's like, anyway, we got G1 to do. So, you know, we're going to ditch all this for now. We're going to go and and, uh, and G1 up some more. Yeah, and it's like, oh, yeah. come on. <laughs> uh, like, I, I think... Like, there there is some, like... Transformers doesn't get into like actual sci-fi concepts often. I feel like watching Prime and Bumblebee walk through the space bridge and just still being on the station but on a completely different world was like the closest they've come to like really cool sci-fi concepts in a long time. Yeah, it was the it it felt like um it, it felt it felt I'm going to say cyberverse-ish again, but it it felt like uh, spacefaring adventure fair as well. Like it was, and then, yeah. and then I after Earthrise was done, I was kind of like you know, I would have kind of liked it. Like Earthrise had n- almost almost nothing to do with the show. The word Earthrise, unless you know your Beast Wars and you assume that's what we're doing for Kingdom. Uh we probably are, but like I, I, mean, I don't want to say we are, it, it, but we probably are. Yeah, I mean, if you know what an Earthrise is, it is a little bit of a spoiler. Hey, we're we're approaching Earth. Yeah, but like, like I would have been down with it if this season was Nebulos Station type stuff, but like three two part stories of that. Uh, that mm. would have been really like. Or just three two-part stories, because I can think of three two-part stories that would have been really cool to see. Um, one of them being Nebula Station, one of them being um, a Megatron story, and that, that could have had the Alita One folks in it as well. And then maybe just one more cool sci-fi thing that has to do with Decius the Quintesson. And then that, you know, and then have a, a convergence ten minutes in the final episode to, like, crash all three plots together, and and then here we go. Uh... Because, yeah, Nebula Station was a really cool... I was so engaged with, with that episode. Um, mm-hmm. And, and yeah, Scorponok, too. Like, I I think Scorponok is getting dunked on here and there because, you know, Scorponok was big but also wasn't gigantic and was more of just, like, a weird monster thing who had kind of amusing dialogue with a very... My kind of all-caps vocabulary. Uh, but, like, I, I did like it. And I felt like we didn't get enough of it. I felt, and it felt like the show didn't actually want us to like it mm-hmm. as much as I did. <laughs> yeah, and it was the first. It's it's a nice element when I, I like any time like there is an adversary that's like the Autobots have to start working together in order to actually figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, and actually, yeah, like 
we're, we have to think of mutual survival here or none of us are going to survive. Yeah. Because you do get interesting character moments. We got points where Optimus and Megatron could kind of talk and hammer things out. And, you know, Prime's looking at like a crippled and dying Megatron and still chooses to save him despite, you know, trying to talk sense into him and not getting anywhere. You know, let me just roll into that scene, too, because I forgot that was in the same episode. That's such a cool scene. Mm-hmm. It was perhaps a payoff to the the, pl- the positives and negatives of both of those characters. Uh, it was one of the, the, the most actually achieving intended depth scenes with the two of them in this whole two seasons so far. Uh, it had one of the funniest, most unintentionally thirsty imageries in a long time of, of Optimus just like pelvis to pelvis on top of Megatron in a way that made the rounds on Twitter. And I was like, nah, it's good stuff. You know, that's that's a good screen cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, we get to a part where like after that after that, it's like Soundwave like Megatron just says, Soundwave, you fix the thing they can't figure out. Soundwave just like shoves folks out of the way and like, you know, it immediately deciphers the computer system. Like, oh, this is really cool. For in this for in the same episode, for Megatron to just drop all of it felt like an eighties cartoon, but in every bad way. <laughs> <laughs> where where character depth was punished rather than rather than uh treated as a positive uh it and it's not like it was like flattening them all it was just nonsensical i'm not going to say it flattened those characters that's wrong it, those characters still have depth going on but the way that megatron just like turns on all of them you, it's explainable in the plot they provide information to explain it however to me as, as storytelling and especially pace-wise, absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. <laughs> uh, it was it was purely to move us to the next episode, and and that is all it felt like to me. And again, again, a really cool character moment, really cool concept. Oh, I'm so excited to see where this goes. I'm into this. In the same episode, show says, "Oh yeah, you really well. You know what? We're done with it though. So stop caring about it. We're moving to episode five. <laughs> Like, that's how it felt. You know, like, yeah. that tone, even, was what I got from the show. Like, it was almost like slapping me. It's like, how, d- who do you think you are to tell me to, to, to include this plot point anymore? I have an entire Skylinks model that we spent money on to, d- mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I like, it is, it is such waste because I, they had such a cool thing going at the time. Like, I love the idea of, Optimus is carrying a wounded Megatron off to Starscream. And just Starscream just mocking Megatron for coming back wounded. Just getting blasted for it. beautiful. God. (laughs) I liked the running gag of Starscream constantly waking up to Ravage and going like, Nah! Quadruped! Get away from me! (laughs) Like, it was good stuff. Uh, And and the conversation Optimus and Megatron had where they bait, to me... That was a conversation of them both admitting we both have gone completely too far. We, <laughs> you know yeah. what? It's just the two of us. Oh no, we screwed up. Like, what have we done? We can't stop this now. But what have we done? Uh, it was. It was. Fi- it was. I was astonished that they were having that maturity of a story. Uh, that, that, that I guess the writers having the maturity. Well, the story had the maturity to recognize well, that. It was so nice. Well, here's the carry through from Siege, because what they did in this in the Scorponok episode carries into episode six, because they do they get another, you know, they have another fight scene where they're just with each other. So they talk 
mid-combat. And at one point, Optimus is like screaming that what he wants from Megatron is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And this is this is the point where it's like I watched in Siege going, what are they doing with Prime with all this like maybe I'm responsible for the war too? Like maybe all these deaths are on mine. He's going through Survivor's Guilt. Mm-hmm. Which is not a take on Optimus I've seen before. In a weird way, like when you're inheriting this war and when you have a responsibility, like to feel guilty that you as the leader are alive when all of these men have died in your name, that's actually a pretty different take on the whole thing. Yeah, I, like to even I, I always couple them together because I think that I think Megatron was even closer to realizing some of these these character arcs, but like like clearly that is that is somewhere in the very teenage idea of maturity that I feel drives a lot of this Netflix show. Some of the true maturity is this idea of like yeah we will we will have the two faction leaders of these this eighties cartoon like recognize their own culpability to what has happened uh it's just it 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 then decides like as a show an entity just doesn't pick it up just drops it and goes like yeah but yeah but what if what about galvatron huh what about what about what about (laughs) uh the matrix leadership or do you remember the 86 movie what if they say the words and i'm like you're gonna have these versions of these characters say a bunch of 86 movie words like screw you like Mm -hmm. what do you what do you you think i am (laughs) (laughs) because yeah uh sadly I feel that whole thing got dropped. I feel they tried to pick it up again when Optimus was like, basically like, no, I'm going to kill you kind of thing. But it just was so half, half hearted to me by that point. Um, not half hearted in the <laughs> actor's delivery, but like half hearted as a plot delivery. Uh, it, was, it was hard for me to take it seriously. I mean, I mean, for Optimus, it feels like that's his character growth arc. And I'm hoping like, because I was critical of what they were doing with Prime and Siege, and then I see where they were going in Earthrise, I'm hoping there's a payoff in Kingdom. Like, I'm hoping mm-hmm. there's a moment where reclaiming the Matrix and, like, taking responsibility and getting over it. Yeah. I and, hope that's coming. And maybe having some kind of interaction with what I assume to be time-displaced Maximals. Could mm-hmm. like imagine if the Maximals were able to have a conversation with an Optimus who's in this position, and they lay out like, "Yeah, you're a, you're a legend, uh, known for this, this, and this in our time. Like you died here, here, and this this all happened, and like something like that could change a younger Optimus Prime, and maybe you know for the better." There is like a there's a there's a, there's a scene at the beginning of episode six where it's like the arc is like processing all this data that it suddenly got from the dead universe, mm-hmm. and uh. I was looking through again, and uh, I, was, I was, like, double-checking a few things on the wiki, and a lot of the little scenes that are blurred out on that console are G1 scenes recreated with uh, the Netflix elements and the Netflix assets. So, oh, damn. They're, yeah, they're kind of setting this up to where, like, this is on the... We are on the path to the G1 cartoon, or at least this we were. And you know, mm-hmm. we've got a little bit of we got a little bit of time travel nonsense to prove it. Yeah. And uh, boy, I like it if that if the idea is we're gonna do some like alternative type stuff of like we know the future is this cartoon, but we know bad things happen. So we're gonna try to prevent some of it. I mean, 
we're going into Beast Wars, and that was kind of like the ultimate plot in Beast Wars. Like, we're going mm-hmm. to meddle with time so things work out for us. Yeah, like, it. the only thing I'm worried about is, I like those kind of time travel stories. They need not so much clever writing, but they need writing of a certain attitude that I don't necessarily know we have going on here. Uh, yeah. But I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful, because it's, it's really cool concepts. And it could pay off both this this Megatron and this Optimus. What what you know character arc they have had going on for better and for worse. There there is a way to salvage it into something. Like end of the day, you know this this could still very much be. And I don't mean this as a dig. It's just reality. A very solid Galaxy Force tier show. Maybe Galaxy Force slightly up from Galaxy Force if it if it pulls off some of these slightly more mature character arcs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I certainly hope so. Um, because if actually if we can just let's hit Megatron since you know we kind of we kind of have gone over Optimus now let's let's also hit Megatron for a sec here. Megatron is also real damn close to being a cool character arc. Uh, I gotta say it: the Ultra Magnus head on the table is absolutely too much. It is absolutely <laughs> high school level maturity of like he has his, he has his head on the table and he's talking Megatron. to it. Yeah. <laughs> It's like okay. I just watched The Force Awakens, guys. It it to me felt like I don't know necessarily why this is the show I'm pulling as the reference because it's not like a direct reference. It just felt like a bunch of like teenagers who just watched all of Game of Thrones and were like, we could do that, but better. Uh, it made me think of that Game of Thrones of animation thing from the Machinima um, promo way back. My like, God, that quote! I love that quote. <laughs> That's what this. That's what Ultra Magnus's head on a table felt like, especially the way they revealed it. Like as it's supposed to be such a shock, and I was just mm-hmm. like, "Oh, look what he did! Look what my yeah. look what Megatron did! Good for you!" <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, and I'm trying not to be like. I hope I hope you all out there believe me when I say that that kind of plot bullet point is absolutely my kind of ish. When it's done well, I don't think this was done well. Uh, but Megatron uh, had one of the my favorite arcs of this whole season was the Sector Twelve story, um, which again uh, yeah. oh, was God, cut a little short. About that. It was so good, and then it just again it was so good, and just as I was getting into it, now it's over. Uh, it was in this case Sector Twelve I mean, being cut off served its story to a degree. Um, yeah, I feel like that. Is, I feel like that is like a one episode story. I like. I, I wish we followed a little bit better, so like the decision hung on Megatron a little bit more. Yeah, and, and I think the the real courageous way to do a story like that as a writer is you make it a two to three episode story, and you make us love the, the Sector Twelve Decepticons. Like that 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 story. Got close, but like I needed a little bit more time with them. I needed a little bit more time. They they needed to, unless I missed it, they needed to name the the guy in charge, the reflector in charge of Sector Twelve, because uh, he was almost a character, <laughs> and I I needed to know more about him. Um, the uh, was it the oh his name okay his name was Sh- I don't think it was ever stated. Apparently his name was Shamble. Shamble. That's 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 a name. 
for his position. That's maybe a little too on the nose, but okay. I wish I got to know Shamble a little bit better. Um, but yeah, this the Megatron's Sector Twelve story. That is how you do a story of a Megatron who is really wanting to believe he's doing the right thing for for good people and is you know not like that that was a fascinating story idea it it scraped a whole lot of really cool uh, um character corners from Megatron uh of him just like I liked how he was just angrily like you know telling Shockwave like stop calling me about this I am I am dealing with it um and yeah, it, it, the Sector 12 story was, I think, overall my favorite part of this whole season. Um, and I wish it had been one episode longer. Uh, I really liked it. It was the closest a, a lot of shows have ever come to actually making me at least momentarily feel uh, some kind of empathy for a supervillain tier Megatron. Um, mm-hmm. like, and it, it, I feel bad saying this right afterwards. I don't think it quite got there. <laughs> Uh, it, it got very close, I, but I just don't think it quite got there, but it, it got real close yeah. in a way that I liked. Like, that was Sound it, Blaster tier. Yeah. yeah, it needed more time so you could get attached to Shamble. You know, attached enough to actually learn his name in the show. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. Maybe someone like, said it and I just didn't notice. Like, <laughs> like it would have been... No, I, I looked it up. It's never identified okay. in the show. It's in the credits. <laughs> But it would have been, it would you're right, like, it would have been so much cool, like, if you had more time, if that was, like, instead of just, like, half the episode, at least give it, like, the full episode, show more conversations that Megatron's having with Shamble, you know, and not so much, like, the Decepticons we're used to that are all just, like, gun-toting, happy to destroy Autobots, you know, the military type, but just, like, yeah, like, you know, we're optimistic here, and we're trying as hard as we can for you, and we believe in you, sir. Like, we really want to, you know, we want to come through for the Decepticon cause. Like, just, you know, maybe not the most well-guided, but swell guys, you know? Yeah, and it was also dearly needed and such a relief to see after the Siege season just had every Decepticon top to bottom almost comically evil, even the ones who turn good sound yeah, comically like Jet- evil until they turn good. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 1 Jetfire is just a jerk. Like, yeah, he's Impactor just so as well. Comically villainous. J- Jetfire and Impactor just sound like genocidal supervillains until they have a change of heart and then they just sound like haggard soldiers afterwards. Like the mm-hmm. yeah, the the Sector 12 Decepticons are what we're missing from Siege and and so yeah, that that's also part of why I think I wish they had been around longer because they they make the the overarching story more believable that there are Decepticons like that, and uh, unfortunately there are none of them left because I feel like the implication is that like no we have now processed all the useless Decepticons who are not supervillains so we can launch the Nemesis and it's like all right maybe I'm wrong but that was that felt like the implication. Uh, which I think is a shame, because uh, it's an inevitability, but it feels like the show just was like, well, since it's inevitable, why why should we spend time with it? And it's like, because I, I want to, that's why. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I like the Sector 12 story a lot. Um, I think it was a high point. Uh, I think it was legit good Transformers storytelling. Um, and 
It's just a shame it was so early on because part of the other part of the reason I also really enjoyed the Sound Blaster episode in season one is it was episode five of six. So it was like this really nice little refresher um, two thirds of the way through. Um, and I, I, I just feel like the, the natural flow of this, because we've said the number so much. How about we just dig into episode five? Because it seems like the, the pattern for these shows, at least for two seasons, is episode five is the wham episode. It's the one where something big is supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, hey, you know what? Uh, they made a whole Skylinks model. Um, yeah, I did not expect that. And it was anim- It was it was rigged. It it moved around um, fully. Like there's, it was moving around in that the cold open, and uh, there was a shot of uh, of it running on all fours, surrounded by fire, while Skylinks was doing that one thing he did for this whole episode. Um. So you know they 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 put a whole Skylinks together. I, I thought that Skylinks was was fascinating myself. Uh, TJ, how how are you feeling about Skylinks? I'll pass this over to you to start off with. I think he's an interesting take on Skylinks because at first we get the flashback to him and Alpha Trion, mm-hmm. where we get we get the the dark side of G one Skylinks. It's like when that arrogance goes too far and he thinks the Autobots should be Skylinks. Mm-hmm. You know, where this should be about him. And it, he's once again into that every, like, back into that siege time where everyone's kind of a jerk. Mm-hmm. You know? E- uh, even Alpha so, Trion, let's be real. That was a bit much, what Alpha yeah. Trion did. <laughs> hey, you're you're a little bit arrogant. I'm going to send you to the dead universe for eternity. Yeah, uh, yeah I, feel, I feel like <laughs> eternal banishment's a little extreme for an Autobot. Yeah. It's like as a kid when you when you like look back at like the GoBots and realize they're the ones that had like a memory altering device. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is much. This is a little too much. Yeah, touch on the nose for for the, the the scales that we're dealing with here. Yeah. Um. But we but then we get like the opposite side where a Skylinks who overcame that arrogance. Yeah. You know. So it, it was interesting to see both like both sides of what G1 Skylinks' character could be twisted into. And I was happy to see that, like, they decided it was going to be, like, the light side of the Force, for, like, a better comparison here, winning out here. Because mm-hmm. I was kind of, expe- like, seeing that first scene, like, are we set up for him to just, like, stab Optimus in the back as soon as they get out of out of the dead universe? Like, I, I kind of, I, yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I could actually trust what Skylinks was saying, because there's one that's like, I could, you know, I'm sitting alone with my thoughts for eons. Maybe I've learned to accept myself, and maybe I've calmed down and found inner peace. Or maybe I'm insane, and I'm gonna stab you with a turkey baster when we get out of here. I don't know. Yeah, uh, the, the the especially the part where, where they were intimating, like, oh, you know what, Skylinks, you can come with us. I was like, oh, this is good, because I know we're an episode away from somehow ending up in Beast Wars. So, like, mm-hmm. having Skylinks, who is turned into just this, like, somewhere between someone who is spiritually sound or possibly a cult leader uh, from a, a, a perceived eternity in the dead universe, that is a cool wrinkle to add to Beast Wars. Um, also, I, I will say the Skylink's voice, uh, I thought the voice was fine. Like, it wasn't, you know, really special. It wasn't like, whoa, I can't believe this performance. But, like, I thought it was fine. Um, yeah. 
and uh, I was real hype. It's a shame that Skylinks decided to atomize himself <laughs> at the end of the episode. Hey, am I hitting a pattern here yet where I say, isn't it weird how the show like presents a really cool, exciting idea and then just closes that thread immediately in the same episode? Mm-hmm. Where is it better illustrated than Skylinks? An entire rigged model. All ready to go. Uh, yeah, a huge model. Atomized like, himself. <laughs> <laughs> rather explicitly erased from existence. <laughs> I was... Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. what happened to Skylinks. Uh, and, like, I didn't... Like, I wasn't even... I don't know if I was mad about Skylinks at that point. I was disappointed. I don't know if I was surprised, though. Like, as we led up to that moment, I was like, oh, hey, wouldn't it be funny if he, like, sacrificed himself before he left the dead universe, thus mm-hmm. erasing the potentiality and the whole uh, complex uh, situation of the Skylinks existing in the... Re- oh, no, he did. Look, he did. He did get yeah. atomized of his own... Vol- oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think it's indefensible, personally. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does... It- it, it feels it it's dirty is what it is it feels dirty that like you set this character up like he's you give us that little bit of backstory so we know how far he's come and he's actually he's actually a cool little element to the show and like you could have done such cool things with them no no we're gonna kill him off in one episode gonna waste the the model and the rigging on one episode yeah you can't even pretend. You can't come up to me like, well, you know, how are they going to afford to have Skylinks in the whole show? Like, my man, they rigged the whole Skylink. If he didn't transform ever, he was still rigged up to wander around doing whatever his Skylinks thing is. <laughs> He's rigged up to be friggin' uh, uh, a Zentradi uh, in, in friggin' Macross 7 on the bridge, giant head on the bridge, something like that. He, uh, I've... Fast forward to Kingdom, and there's three generic colored Skylinks is firing behind Shockwave. I'll laugh. You know what? Yeah, you're right. I will. I will laugh, and I will enjoy it when I see the the generic Skylinks is flying around all over the place. Also, this is getting into episode five itself. I feel like that retroactively wasted my time for twenty minutes <laughs> because. Oh, good, good. It, it, it was literally, it was literally like, let's stop the storyline so we can do time travel nonsense. Yeah, that was the episode, and let's just like, just, just, we had a, we, we, we it's a weird pacing to the story, but we've got a story going for four episodes now. Stop everything. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna hardcore reference the '86 movie. We're gonna nod the Beast Wars. We're gonna throw in Skylinks for some random reason, and then we're gonna pretend like it never happened. I should have loved this episode. That's also why I'm so frustrated. Because you have un- you have a cyberverse concept that I like. You have weird time travel stuff. You have Galvatron. You have an interesting new twist on Skylinks. You have metaphysical robot nonsense, which usually I'm way into. Uh, and, and you have it all to pay off an incoming kooky time travel story. Um, yep. I should have loved this. And I am so frustrated with how disappointing episode five was because about two thirds of the way into episode five, I realized that the, how do I put this? A lot of those, those 
um, Skylink's conversations, the, the really metaphysical dead universe conversations, seeing, you know, potential futures and talking about the nature of the Matrix and what it is to be, was written with the caliber of a first-year university student who's kind of good at English. <laughs> and it felt like it was, it was an absolute moment of a show thinking it is doing exponentially more than what it is actually saying and it was wearing me out and i was so mad because i'm like this is exactly my kind of nonsense and somehow this is completely not connecting with me whatsoever and i'm actually getting bored and i i want this to end and i hate that i hate that i want this to finish up and go somewhere uh I hate that I'm more excited about the way that Starscream was getting up to some classic Starscream stuff as like a C plot. Um, and man, I am so let down by all that stuff and I should love it. I don't know how else to put it. And if that doesn't make sense to you, I get it. It's just, it's, this is the kind of stuff I'm usually way into. And I feel like you have to really drop a ball for me to be this annoyed on the other side of it. Uh, <laughs> And that's not even bringing up Galvatron, uh, who yeah. uh, who was the more pleasant side of this in hindsight. I thought the Galvatron side, as the episode went on, was kind of maybe not hitting as hard as the Skylink stuff until the Skylink stuff. I made I realized like partway through the third paragraph, I was like, "Wait, this is just drivel." Like <laughs> this Galvatron story, actually, in hindsight, was was a lot tighter and more interesting because yeah, Galvatron just shows up. Uh, comes through an 80s grid pattern time portal, which is some really fun visual reference. Uh, I'm not usually a references guy. That is a good kind of reference. Fascinating idea that Galvatron is coming back just to go like, listen, I'm alive, but I don't like how I'm alive. So I want to change the, I want to change the, the context of how I'm alive in the future, please. Um, and uh, and also Jason Marnoka doing a really great job of just doing a way huskier voice. For Galvatron, I mm -hmm. really like Galvatron. I even like how Galvatron, uh, Galvatron. I didn't mind how he exited. Like I, I was hoping he'd be around longer as well, given how he popped up in the teaser. But I was like, no, you know, that's that's okay as long as this is a tease for something. That's okay that he got yanked back because that that makes sense. But uh, I, yeah, I generally like Galvatron, other than one little thing. But before I say that, uh, TJ, how are you feeling about Galvatron? I mean, I like I like Galvatron. I like the idea. Because I haven't, this is a weird one. I I haven't seen it done since Transformers Tatakai. Yeah, <laughs> the PS2 G1 game. Galvatron came back to the past to kind of alter what his future is going to turn out to be. Uh, interesting take. Um, I I like how much more. It, it felt like he became more clever. As the time went on, like he was, he mm. knew what buttons to press on Megatron to get him to do what he was after. Uh, like there, there, there's a, there's a cleverness to that Galvatron that I really like. I was also, I was also happy that it, it's the sane Galvatron. Yeah. It's like, if this is like the point in G1 where he did this, like there's this moment somewhere in the 86 movie where he just goes, hang on guys, I'm going to pop back to the past it might be an alternate universe past i don't know but i'm gonna pop back to the past and just have a pep talk with myself yeah like and at some, at some point 
He was just like, hey, Cyclonus Scourge, I'm going to go in the other room. Do not open the door. Um, and he goes to the other room. And he's just like, I'm not going to tell them. They might cease to exist. But I'm tired mm-hmm. of getting mental tortured by Unicron. I'm going to do something about this. Uh, I, it's a long way from Junkion to Cybertron. He had time to pop into a time chamber. Yeah, yeah. And it, you know what? I I actually wouldn't be surprised if someone involved in this actually has like like knows the Tatakai PSX game reference. Um, <laughs> it seems like it matches up with the, the sort of generational tone uh, of this. Because uh, yeah, oh man, yeah, it was very cool. Um, it's just I, interesting because because we had that little point where, by the way, Unicron mm-hmm. just ripping him back into the future. We specifically know when this happens. You know, there's a br- there's a very brief window of where this could actually occur. Yeah, and also I, I like that when Unicron ripped him back, it was with the the right kind of tone of like, no, I'm not going to kill you for betraying me. It's just you're just really going to suck for you. You're, yeah. you're going to wish you didn't do that, son. <laughs> you won't be happy about this. Uh, although it does make me wish, like I, I keep saying it, but it's true. I think this would have been even cooler if Galvatron got to stick around for two or three episodes. Like, he's sticking around, he's not getting into fights with anyone, because he knows there's, like, you know, there's risk factor with how much he's meddling. But I kind of wish he was sort of sticking around as this voice in the background. Um, I wish he had maybe a few, a few very pointed, I know that no matter what you do, it's going to end badly for you, kind of kind of barbs with Starscream. Um mm. Like, there's interactions that would have been really fun to see. Uh, or, like, imagine if he was already commenting on how, like, things are already changing, because he looks at Barricade, and he's like, I don't even know who you are, pal. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I- I've-, I've never seen you before in my life. That means things are already already going to plan. Um, it-, it would have been, like, this is, this is, as much as I like it, this is another thing that could have could have easily and probably should have not been uh or should should have existed for more than one episode um it was just so truncated and rushed and then it was layered in with the the time slowing mire of skylinks's psycho battle um you, you know where where i would be down for this is if like the, if the payoff to this was like Galvatron is the reason why a Quintesson from the G1 continuity broke rank. Yeah. Where you have a time-traveling Galvatron who's just meddling with things in the right order to make sure the future comes up his way. He's, you know, not enslaved to Unicron, has possession of the Matrix, and just doing great. Or even if, even if, even if this was post-movie Galvatron, if it's like far enough in the future to where he's gotten, you know, his, his, um, his brain back together to some degree. And he's like, he, like, he knows about the beast wars and stuff. And he's just like, he's like, imagine if he was like the, the puppet master of all of this stuff, like that he it's that this whole story is in fact, Galvatron trying to rewrite his own G1 story that he came from uh, for the better. Like, it's been done before, but it's it's it doesn't mean it's bad. It's something I like. I like it when they do that kind of story. Uh, maybe, maybe that there is a way that kind of can get hackneyed into uh, being a big chunk of what Kingdom is about. Um, we, we still don't really know the nature of the Galvatron that keeps popping up in very small print on all the different poster artworks, right? Uh... I mean, aside from the usual rumor mill and Walmart computer listings, et cetera, yeah. Yeah, like, there's... 
there's still some potential that, I don't know, oh, that would be so cool. I hate this. I feel like I'm setting myself up to be disappointed. But, like, it, it matches up. It would be really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, it would be really cool. And although, it, also, even if that is what happens, it would make me a little bit more aggro at the Earthrise season. Because, like, it... Again, this season is just so so butt crowded and trying to move at this manic pace. It this season in ways feels like the last night in that there's just so much cool stuff that doesn't get to actually pan out. And episode five to me is the epitome of that. It's just so many yeah. good ideas, and then like, and also, I also hate that the fact that the thing that did atomize Skylinks was some really misguided reference to the hate plague. Because he's like, channel your hate. Now you have the, you know, he t- he turns he turns red, right? He starts glowing mm-hmm. red. It's the hate plague. Galvatron's like they trying to make him shoot the hate plague as a laser, and then it works. And I'm just like, I don't know. That was that was the kind of thing where I'm like, all right, now you're taking it too far. Now Galvatron's just like, do the do a G one thing relevant to me. <laughs> <laughs> For no reason, I don't. I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of reason, but it sure felt in the moment like, wh- why is this happening? Why does Megatron have the power of the Hate Plague? Especially, yeah. Why does he have that power when he's this young? Even if Galvatron like can pep talk him into it, that doesn't feel like something he would just. Is this supposed to say the Hate Plague actually was? created from this moment and then just stated and uh, grew in the dead universe is that the intent and i and I'm, now I'm not I'm, even i'm not even <laughs> sure if it's the hate plague or if he powered up like dragon ball z well yeah it also it looked like dragon ball z as well visually if, <laughs> i don't know that that part was was also i didn't care for it just felt I don't know. I keep saying it. It felt really like adolescent and not in a fun way. Just in a more like I, I know this show is being spearheaded by a lot of Gen Xers, and I feel like y'all should know better than this. I feel like using the dead universe in the way they did was actually cool. Like, well, here, yeah, if your will is strong enough, you can manipulate reality. Like, you can bend it to your will. And Megatron's idea is, I'll fire a red gun. Yeah, I guess so. I might, I might be. I guess, yeah. I'm overthinking the hate plague thing. I, it annoyed me that it felt like that was the reference. But yeah, they were yeah, in the I, dead I, universe I, and and it, you know all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I man, I wish this. I should like this anyway. You should. Oh, by the way, the golden disc was in there too. Oh yeah. <laughs> Because this episode didn't throw enough around, you, we have to we have to also introduce the idea of the golden disc. I forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I'm just gonna say I forgot about it. Uh, I mean, that means there's an implication that this version of G1 is the one that Beast Wars is actually from. Because it's Beast Wars was kind of cartoon reality, but also a little bit weird. Yeah. I mean, there's there's uh, never going to be a hard, definable canon with Transformers, kind of to its credit. Oh, of course not. Uh, it, it's it's actually, I think it's better that way <laughs> that we we kind of have I some mean, fuzzy edges. But I mean, I got to, I got to thinking. I mean, there's very I, I can't think of entertainment properties that work the way Transformers does, where there's so many different continuities. It's not a matter of like, well, these novels are canon, these are AU and all this. No, no, no. We've got like 20 canons going on at once. Yeah. At least. 
that, that and that, that makes Transformers stuff, especially when it pops up on a, you know a platform like Netflix, makes it funny when that like smacks into current kind of geek culture, which is very continuity oriented. Uh, I feel like I've had this conversation multiple times um, around stuff like Machinima series, Netflix series, or you know other series that get pushed to a certain level of recognizability um, to to other like non fandom people, where it's like, well, how's that work with with the Transformer story as we know it? And I, I know I've had the conversation where I always say, well, the thing is that the, you know a Transformer story, all the different ones they don't tie together. They're all they're all different continuities. Yeah. And they're like, well, what, there's like five continuities? I'm like, no, there's like 150 continuities. <laughs> we, like, we, yeah, we wish. The sticker books are a separate continuity. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and then they're like, well, that sounds confusing. And it's like, well, the thing is, in Transformers, we just don't really care. And it works out. Like, we have tight continuity in small doses. And then, and it's this is kind of to the credit of Earthrise. Earthrise, the thing I like about this is it's like, this could be the Beast Wars origin, this could be a G1 origin, or this could be either of those cannons being meddled with by time travel into something new, into a new cannon. And I'm like, I kind of like that we, that's not ground shaking for us. Like, we can just like look at that and go, yeah, yeah, that's probably oh, happening. Yeah. Or it's not. Yeah, I, yeah, I accept, I, I, I accepted it a long time ago where a lot of continuity for other fictions kind of works like, like a family tree where you've got a core, you got, you've got the, uh, uh, the terminology, the, you got the prime universe. And then yeah, yeah. you're just like, oh, here's a divergence. Uh, well, here's another divergence. Transformers is a plate of spaghetti. Yeah. And this it's is a- how it's always been. And it's better to accept it that way. It's a plate of spaghetti from which a forest has grown of many trees. Uh, that's also what, like, I saw the thumbnail already on YouTube, I'm pretty sure, where I saw, like, Transformers Earthrise ending explained, and I'm like, (laughs) what's to explain? The ending is stay tuned for Kingdom, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't even watch the video, I'm assuming they're like, in case you didn't know, Beast Wars was a Transformers series that actually tied into, and it's like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Guys, why does a raptor have a robotic eye? friggin explained ending youtube is also one of my least favorite youtubes if i'm already kind of on an aggro bent that might have been audible for this thing like if i could just detour to say i hate that whole cottage industry uh (laughs) except i do like it when it tries to touch onto transformers because it's like oh you don't even know what you're getting into you fools like yeah (laughs) explain what (laughs) uh Anyway, uh, I don't want to. I keep- get that way. I get that way every time I see a video. It's like I saw a video where once it was like these are the ten most useless things the Transformer ever turned into, and like sound waves on there and Grimlocks on there. I'm like, you don't know retracks. You don't and, know oh- the Hat Transformers and the, and the Ice Cream Bar Transformer. And then I'd also say, ex- I, I mean, they probably tried to. I'd be like, explain to me how Grimlocks Alt Mode is useless. <laughs> It lets well, him breathe friggin' they're fire. Su- <laughs> they're, su- they're supposed to hide on Earth. Why are they hiding as a T-Rex? Oh, and then the worst part, they probably never even they probably don't even know what RID 2015 is, where that's a friggin' character trait. Mm-hmm. Grimlock constantly trying to have an, an Earth alt mode despite being a T-Rex. <laughs> uh listicles. I, what I was going to say wasn't I want to stop beating up on crappy YouTube cottage industries, because I'm down to do that for hours. I don't care. Uh, but I do want to lay off on episode 5 myself for now. I think I've been mean to it a little mm-hmm. bit too much. you have anything else from episode 5 you wanted to, to bring up? 
No, I think that's it. All right. Um, I still have a couple other little little concepts to hit. Because um, I, I, I don't like episode six, I guess, because it's the last episode is kind of a whole thing. But uh, did you have any and have you got another uh, just like bullet point you want to hit from the whole show? Um, maybe not especially like um, I, I I'll say I like the slow development for Bumblebee in this season. Mm hmm. Because uh, they, they made a big deal out of like pan, like talking to Optimus on the outside of the arc, which I, I love. I don't know why, but I really like scenes in Transformers where they're just like hanging out on the outside of the ship and just chatting. Yeah. <laughs> it, it felt like, um, I think Cyberverse did it better, but it felt like a nice crib from Cyberverse storytelling wise of like an yeah. optimist standing on the ship looking out into space and kind of going like oh man <laughs> mm-hmm. um i get that yeah like but I, I, they made a big deal like when they're out there and like panning down and there's the autobot logo on bumblebee mm-hmm. you know so uh i i, I will say uh I, I like i i like i like that bumblebee is actually like grown enough to where he's standing and he's like taking charge of what's going on in the arc while Optimus and Megatron are fighting it out and he's he literally just has that epiphany of like oh this is Ironhide's seat and like no 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 you're doing good just yeah I I like that he's come that far considering like I really didn't like where they started Bumblebee and Siege Bumblebee I kind of he's another like I, I keep saying it but he's another one where like where he started in Siege and where he ends up so far in Earthrise could have had a whole lot more meat to it if he had if the time had been allotted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I know it's going to come in feedback to this conversation, so I'll say like I understand they are given an episode count to work with, so like I get it, and I think that is a hard thing to juggle. Um, Although I think that uh, actually, like, turning to, to more, like, kind of, if this had been given just to folks who worked on Cyberverse full stop up to a showrunner level, I think we would have had something that was a little bit stronger. Um, yeah. Because Cyberverse folks really learned how to how to make use of limited time. Um, and while Cyberverse folks wrote for this series, they, they wrote what they could write. There is still a showrunner yeah. who is dictating the whole thing and has plot points a showrunner wants to hit. Uh, but yeah, like Bumblebee, I I didn't like. I'll say like I didn't really connect with much anything of him this season. Um, but like I see where you're coming from because I, I I recall him having his moments. I just like I I, I didn't notice them happening. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, one thing we'll say that like there's one scene. Where I, I, I'm begging, I'm begging Rooster Teeth, just please, like, kickstart the funding if you need it. Please give, please animate some kind of alt mode for Bumblebee and Arcee. Please. Yeah. There's a scene where Optimus says transform and roll out, and Bumblebee and RC are just riding on the back of Prime. Yeah. It, it's really starting to get on my nerves. Where Transformers forget they can transform. It was bumming me out because, like, I I was okay with it in Siege when it happened because Siege was a an opening six episodes. I was kind of like, I don't know how to put this right. I f- I felt like, given how we we got a lot of models 
in Earthrise that were new, but a lot of them didn't do the transforming thing. I was like, I I was really hoping that yeah, like Bumblebee at least would would you know have have an on screen conversion. Like we got some good ones. There was a great Megatron transformation that like showed the whole thing happen in this in this yeah. season. Um, but it, it boy like it when. When they run into their budget wall, like you feel it, your desk shakes from yeah. the impact when they run into the yeah. budget wall. Uh, I, I mean, I also feel like it's a consequence of doing the sh- this like most of the season on a ship. Is that you are you are missing out on an ability? Like the whole idea of Transformers is they transform. Mm-hmm. You can't really do that when they are in a confined space like that, especially your flyers like Starscream and the Jets. Yeah, and I, like, I like I don't I don't mind if we end up in environments and stories that don't that that kind of just don't dictate for transformation to to be as necessary. It's more so when you run into those situations like you described, where it's like transformation is necessary, and it's really showing that they can't do it with a couple of these characters. Because yeah. um, yeah. it, it, it's it's that kind of thing that I think I mentioned earlier of like. When you create the problem for yourself, you could have created the solution for yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like with the Quintesson. In, in this case, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> the right, Also, the people writing, probably like they are not the same people who are animating. And it could be a case of not knowing that that's going to be a concern um, until until it's too late. Uh, it's, it's, a simple, it's as simple as like, just, you know, like... Part, like, just... It's a, it's a simple like you you're writing this universe. Just figure out. Well, you know we we went to one of those like surrender pods, and it disabled our transformations, and then we escaped. Yeah, done, <laughs> done. You know, like I I think it would be the kind of wink to the audience I'd be down with if they actually just kept coming up with sci-fi reasons why some characters weren't transforming. You know, like oh, they put a they put a, a a restraining bolt on me or something. Oh, I got I got stasis cuffs on. Um, yeah, could have been a whole conceit inserted with the episode two when DC has took them captive. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. like Bumblebee's like oh hey, am I ever since DC has put those stasis cuffs on me, my I, my my friggin' transformation cob. He'll actually say friggin' because it's all oh, you know, it's PG. Uh, my my friggin' transformation cog doesn't work. Wheeljack. what shock. Maybe that's what Shockwave's thing is. He's just about, like he cuts transformation cogs out of people. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, like I don't think they've even said the word transfer the words transformation cog uh, in this thing yet. Uh, it feel, of feels of course like, not. No, well, it feels like the kind of thing that you know it's a G one cartoon thing. It feels like it would have been in there somewhere, maybe in season three. Um, well, I uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to my my big bullet point. I was I was happy with. It's a two parter, but number one. Mm-hmm. They can't possibly have done it because of us, but they gave Cog <laughs> they gave Cog the real big moments oh, in episode yeah. six. When, oh, yeah. when like when Exhaust and Bugbiter like first Cog gets sucked out of the ship and I'm like, well I guess that's a way to finally deal with all the cogs. How disappointing. But then when it turns out no, he got sucked out of the ark, but landed on the fortune <laughs> and he blasted fake exhaust straight into space. I was like, Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Cog like blows an arm off of Decius, gets stabbed, not to death, uh, and then you know lands in in the in the 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 captain's chair of the Fortune just as he's getting fired on, trying to tell the team like, wait, it's me, it's Cog. Um, I'm, I mean, okay, rationally, I'm sure that was the end of Cog. However, 
we never saw a body. And I feel like Cog, specifically, has been demonstrated to already be one of the most powerful Cybertronians in the entirety of the Netflix universe, in that you could blow a hole in him and his spark bigger than his head, and he was able to, like, get patched up with a thumbs up, right? So, I mean, I, in my opinion, um, and until I'm proven wrong, uh, not just by the writers. I don't, you have to have the showrunner tell me, and then you have to have Hasbro confirm to me that the showrunner is not having some kind of manic episode. Uh, until I see a body, Cog is, is alive. Where, where do you think the fossilizers came from? Huh? Think Ooh. about it. Um, and here's where I'm excited, because it turns out there are two most powerful Cybertronians in the Netflix universe, because out of nowhere comes Chromia. <laughs> who gets shot in the heart, <laughs> falls over dead, and not ten minutes later, stands back up, like, spits some blood out, and then just murks down every single Decepticon from across, like, an entire city with a sniper rifle, uh, and then mm-hmm. transforms and more or less outruns an explosion until I think they tried to imply the explosion got her again. Till I see a body, impossible. She is clearly as uh, on the level of Cog, given that she got shot straight through the spark and without any medical attention, got up, spat out the bullet or whatever, and then just wiped out all the Decepticons. Sadly, including one who was on their side who was saying so at the time, um, which was odd. But uh, yeah, Chromia and Cog. Uh, two toys, two deluxes. I didn't really feel all that excited about when I got them. Uh, a year and a bit later, I'm happy I have those two deluxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are mm-hmm. they are my favorite two characters who are not Sound Blaster uh, from this whole show. Um, and I, I better see them in season three, or I'm going to be mad. I won't be mad. They they are probably dead, but I refuse to accept it. And if you tell me I accepted it, I will tell you that you misheard me because I am I'm only saying it for posterity. Uh, but yeah, I I, 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 I expect to see a I expect to see a somewhat singed Chromia in season three. Yeah, uh, Cog probably not. He's considerably more singed. You know, uh, he, like, he might need a season to walk it off. You know, getting blown up and then falling through the atmosphere. He's just the waspinator of this universe. What if that's the I, payoff? What if- he's, he becomes waspinator? Yeah! Oh, man. <laughs> but that's a, that, that implies a side switch. Hey, you know, when your entire physical body gets destroyed in orbit and yet you survive, a whole lot of stuff can happen to you, you know? I mean, I mean, th- I mean, we are we are remembering this is a transformer who can separate into many components and still retain life in all sp- in all parts of him. Precisely, precisely. So that if that ain't Waspinator, I don't know what is. You know what, Waspinator? Maybe Waspinator is the result of Cog's legs and the emergency backup AI attempting to resuscitate a missing top half of Cog whilst scanning whatever's in reasonable distance. Waspinator is the consciousness of Cog's pelvis. You heard it here first. Uh, but yeah. In the, in the history of just conspiracy theory levels of lore. Right, Ending right next, explained! Next, <laughs> 
I was gonna say this was like right next to Braun is Unicron. That I mean, we, he is. that we've He's... somehow devised. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I had to give the shouts out to Colgan Chromio for being MVPs. Um, oh yeah, I'm, uh, I'm trying to think. We we hit we hit sector twelve. That was a big one for me. Um, yep. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I alluded to that I didn't really say yet. Uh, like the other members of, of of team of team Alita, like I just don't really remember them that well. Like Jetfire kind of didn't like he did things that mostly revolved around him being airborne, airborne and an Autobot. He got a fight. Yeah, he got a fight scene in the air. Yeah, he friggin' stabbed more seekers in the brain, which was a lot. Which um, you you compare you compare how easy seekers go down compared to Chromia and Cog. The Seekers are like, nothing. Like, <laughs> like, Sky, like Skywarp in the first season died with like one little shot to the back. It wasn't even a big bolt. I don't even think it went through all the way. Skywarp is a baby. Con- confirmed canon. Skywarp is a big baby who died. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, but like, uh, I'm just looking at the cast list of episode six. I don't remember wh- what Hound or Sideswipe ever did in all of... Earthrise. They man the they man the consoles. I didn't. I for, I don't remember seeing Prowl. I don't. I think I saw him. I know I saw Ironhide a bunch. They got Ironhide some screen time. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, the, I I I will say. I guess I said this was Siege as well. I'm I'm not sure how I feel about the part where slicing the nose cone tip off of a seeker in in Tetrajet mode kills them. It raises unbelievable numbers of questions. <laughs> I just like to keep my spark right there at the front of the vehicle. Like, what? What are y'all doing? They're cold. They they must be constructed cold. They seem to be like a, a template transformer. Like, what? What happened? I mean, to- honestly, who doesn't in this in this fiction? Well, like, even, in Chromia, pa- even in even in factors. Yeah, no, not even Chromia. We had Moonracer. In fact, she's she looks so much like Chromia. I thought Chromia died in the first season. True. Oh, I forgot about Moonracer. That was oh, that sucked. That sucked what they did with Moonracer. I forgot about that. Um, well, I guess I mean individuals, right? Cro- for whatever reason, Chromia and Cog, um, their their uh, body types die a lot, but those two uh, are more powerful than the sum of their parts. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think I think that really has blown through a lot of stuff that is not just like you know narrating through plot points of episode six. Uh, because yeah, I mean the 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 way that we we the show Earthrise on the whole is a part two of three from top to bottom in broad strokes. Episode six is like a lot of action and cliffhangers. What happened to Alita's team on Cybertron? Maybe they all died. We'll find out next time. What happened to all the main characters as they went into orbit and possibly crash-landed? We'll find out next time. Hey, there's a Velociraptor who looks a lot like Dinobot from Beasties. What's that about? (laughs) He already has an optic sensor. He's already Dinobot the Transformer. We'll find out next time. Uh, I like the idea. I like the idea that the narrator is Canadian and refers to beasties. I mean, they're better. They're better. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like you know, a lot, a lot, like a lot of cool stuff. Oh, I'm just looking at names again. I should say it because I don't think I, I said it. Starscream was still very good in this show. Starscream just didn't have a character arc in Earthrise. He was just present. Uh, no, Starscream had a character arc. It's called I'm G1 Starscream again because Megatron vanished for. 
two seconds and I took over. Right. He had a five minute character arc that was easy to forget happened. Uh, but like, like Star- li- Starscream was a good presence. He was a good present Starscream. Uh, he just wasn't super important. He did what Starscream does. Yeah. And, uh, and once again, Frank Totoro did an excellent job delivering every single line Starscream had. Um, overall, actually, I want to say, I think the voicing in, in Earthrise was a little bit better than in Siege. Uh, it still moved at a glacial pace at times, um, which, you know, I, th- that was the thing I wanted to touch on, uh, which I would chalk up to, because this is something that was mentioned to me, and I agree with this. I, I talked a lot, of, I slung a lot of, I slung a lot of ill will towards the voice directing on this project. I still maintain the direction of the voices is not very good. However, I, I concede it was probably not a singular voice director responsible because the showrunner was probably sitting in on a lot of that directing and voice sessions. So it it probably is also on the shoulders of uh, whoever else was sitting there telling the voice director what to do, what to direct. Um but yeah, there, the I felt like there were there was an overall just increase of stronger voicing in this season, without ever overcoming the problems of the voicing overall in in Siege. Uh, kind of mm-hmm. going back to that opening point, it was better and also more of the same. Um, yeah, like I didn't really expect them to change how they were being delivered as characters. I still expected that slow pace to the speech because it sounds like they're trying to add weight to ever to everything that's said it's part of what made the skylinks psychobabble so um uh oppressive to to slog through for me because it was it, it it was it came off thinking it was very clever which meant that it had even more gravitas which meant it just went even more like ba-bum ba-bum bum Boom! And I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, cre- credit where credit's due. Like again, I think all the actors were doing fine. Um, absolutely, in my opinion, do not lay this on the feet of the actors. Uh, they are doing very good work with what they are being given and directed to do by both a director and probably a showrunner and other folks who are able to sit in on a directing session as well. Um. Anyway, I think I've run out of things that are not relevant to the finale. Like, like, DJ, how'd you feel this about like the the I guess just the the collective episode six, like as a finale to this season? Um, did did it hit high marks for you? Like, you know, obviously it was for the most part a cliffhanger. Um, oh well, yeah. Megatron has the Matrix, and we've done, we finally crash landed on Earth. But oh, plot twist! It's during Beast Wars instead of in the ancient past. Yeah, like we're we're set for what is what should be like this pretty huge set of six episodes that has this big convergence of G one and Beast Wars elements. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it will be epic. You know, it does mean that we're left with a lot of things. You know, this is kind of back, going back to my point where I kind of wish I saw a few more things finish off instead of so many open ended characters and plot points. Yeah. I kind of want. I want. I want to have some sense of like we told a story at some point, even if we're continuing on. Like some stories have concluded. Instead, I feel like everything's still in the open, and now we have all these cliffhangers going into season three. 
Yeah, and it it puts a lot at the feet of the kingdom season. Because uh, in a best case scenario, we look back on Siege and Earthrise as boy, that was some those that, that was some necessary viewing to get to some of this real good stuff. That's like to me yeah. the best case scenario. Uh, and you know, I I'm trying to temper expectations too because I think there is kind of a ceiling on what one should expect from Kingdom. Um, but boy, like they like Earthrise really puts a lot on the table for Kingdom to pick up. Uh, and yeah, it's a shame. Like I agree with you. I when you said it, I I, I agree. Like I wish that some of these really interesting plot points also satisfyingly finished off because it's like the ones that weren't left to be picked up by kingdom they were just shot in the face as they were putting their shoes on like they didn't they didn't make it off the front step of their their front hall you know <laughs> yeah uh and it, it, it and that's why i would say like it's not so like i was kind of trying to, to never say like oh the pacing of this is so off because it's like this goes beyond the pacing it's like I, that's why the pacing isn't too slow or too fast the pacing is what i call deranged because it's it's just introducing and then murdering on the spot interesting plot points, but also introducing some interesting plot points and then just like letting them fly through the air attached to a kite string. Like someone will pick this up eventually, I'm sure. Um, just a real like like really loudly a season two of three. Yet things like Nebulo Station feel so you in the Dead Universe both felt like such uniquely interesting settings. That should have been really strong episodes and sim- sim- simply weren't. Uh, so yeah, like, uh, I guess, uh, have you got anything else um, that we haven't hit on for, for Earthrise that you wanted to touch on? Uh, I think that does it for me. How, how'd you feel about the Dinobot model? I felt like they, and I, I, I mean this as a compliment. I understand how maybe this isn't a compliment. I felt like it really mm-hmm. looked like Dinobot from the Beast Wars cartoon. I mean, it 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 is like a it's a weird way to phrase it, but you're right. Like I think it is like it is spot on. It feels spot on, Dinobot. Yeah. I'm I'm in the janky way too is what I mean. I think. Yeah. Well, I don't think. Well, it didn't. It didn't look like ninety CGI bad. No, but it had that weird. I don't know what you call it. It felt like the the skin was stretched over top of the model, as opposed to being a texture. Uh, it felt like something I mean, that is, it felt like something intentional almost. I mean, it is skin. Yeah, you know, technically, like, it didn't. It just didn't feel like a modern CG texture. It felt very much like it. I don't know, something about it was janky in a way that felt like it's supposed to inform you. Like, no, no, this is Dinobot. Like. Like I recognize the shape of that head instantly. Um, it it didn't well, look it didn't look generically Velociraptor. It looked like the Dinobot Velociraptor. <laughs> well, the Dinobot Velociraptor has become very specific since then. Since what we perceive as a Velociraptor has changed pretty dramatically. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I felt like they it's it's a it's a compliment that they. They made a Velociraptor who immediately said to me, no, this is Dinobot from Beast Wars. Like, I think that that, take, that takes a certain something to be able to hit. Uh, yeah, and that's, I think that's the point it has to hit, because that's your big deal character. That's, the, of course, since it's the, it's the last minute cliffhanger tune into season three, 
it's going to be Dinobot that you're going to show off. It has mm. to be. And that has to hit the right note, and that's exactly what it did. Yeah. Um... Well, I guess that would take us into, like, what expectations are for Season 3. We kind of dropped a few already. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna get my negative one out of the way right now. And I, I think that we all need to get over this hump before... It sounds like it's airing in May. That's the date I keep seeing pop up. We, we have until May to get over this. Unless we hear otherwise. Brace for voicing on the Beast Wars characters. Is what I would say. Mm. I... I would say brace for capital V voicing on the Beast Wars characters. Uh, at best, they might try to sound the same. At worst, it will be Ironhide, where they're doing a perfectly fine voice that seems super weird coming out of that face. Uh, yeah. It's a good time to remember that, aside from like Black Arachnia and Waspinator and Animated, this is going to be the first time you see these characters voiced in 25 years. Yeah, well, we, probably we, closer to twenty, including Beast Machines. We had Cheetor in Cyberverse, so we we have a Touchstone voice there. In fact, I wonder if they might just grab the Cyberverse actor for for uh, for Cheetor. That's that's possible. Yeah, I mean, David Carey, David K, and Gary Chalk both work in the U.S. now, so it's not impossible. But are they down to do non-union work? Is the thing. That's yeah, that is the thing, isn't it? Yeah, they because they don't need the work. No. So, they, <laughs> uh I I would be surprised if they are tapped for that because that would involve um addressing, you know, the really ugly thing in the room that is there with all of these um current Transformers cartoons, which is that and this is so frustrating for me to touch on because I feel like it inevitably draws criticism to the actors that is unwarranted. But, you know, it's still a non-union production, uh, <laughs> as far as I know, anyway. Um, so, you know, I've seen a lot of chatter about people going like, oh, well, as long as they get, you know, a couple of the Beast Wars actors in. And I'm kind of like, I really wouldn't. Don't hold out for that. Yeah, Do I'm, not. I, I'm not saying they can't. I'm just saying until they say they do, assume they can't. You know? Uh, I, I am bracing myself for voice actors I've never heard of who do passable impressions. Yeah. I think that's going to be the best not, we'll get. Yeah. Not that they're going to be bad. It is not going to sound like you're you're expecting it to. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, like, that's the big... To me, that's the big, you know, negative that I have looking ahead. The, I think there are lots of positives looking ahead, because there there is... N outside of, like, like things being really uh, boring in a way that I don't think is, is necessarily the road we're on, for all my criticisms I've had, um, boring is, is not the road I feel like we're on, it's kind of impossible to figure out what they're going to do in those six episodes. Mm-hmm. Like what will what are they gonna do in those six episodes? <laughs> this isn't like Earthrise where we're just assuming well they get to Earth somehow. It's like okay they've landed in Beast Wars. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't even this thing here's the thing I don't even know I don't even know if they've landed in Beast Wars. I don't even know if that Dinobot is supposed to be the Dinobot or if there is some other storyline as to who the the Beast robots on that Earth are. The Scorponok subplot for the couple of sentences it got to spit out 
laid the groundwork for the potential that like maybe those are just some species of cyber of, of cybertronian life created by a quintesson and and abandoned on that planet who you know i mean i don't th- you, you touched on earlier and i don't think you're off base considering like they implied that the g1 continuity still happens and that we are just in the in the past for that you mentioned like the op the primal and prime meeting up and going over like well yeah like you, you know, you're you haven't gone, you haven't been there yet, but like you're a great hero and you know the greatest leader we ever had. And you did all these great things. I'm expecting Primal to give Prime the pep talk that kind of like mm. reasserts himself and like gets over that survivor's guilt part of him. Yeah, and, and and likewise, I think there there could be a chance. I think it will be fumbled if they go for it in the last minute, like they did with the injured Megatron conversation, but. There's a chance, like you know, speaking to the to this um, whoever it is that took his name, could have an unintended uh, result of turning Megatron off the path he's on. Of like, you know, this is what this is what you've become an, a feared name that someone else has just decided to take on for themselves. They have no interest in your cause anymore. All that sacrifice you did has been forgotten. You are simply a boogeyman that someone else is now donning. Yeah. You know, that a common criminal is now dawning to do mm-hmm. a common criminal's plot. Uh, that could be interesting. That could then summon in Galvatron again, who wanted things to change, but now things are changing in a way he doesn't like. What if there is a well, scene with Megatron, Beast Megatron, and Galvatron? That could be really cool. Don't do that. Don't do that. You already know Megatron's going to be after Beast Megatron because we've introduced the Golden Discs as a thing. Right, right, yeah, right. So we've um, got this weird thing where Prime needs to get the Matrix back, Megatron is trying to get the Golden Disk from the other Megatron, and in the midst of whatever Primal and Beast Megatron are in the middle of. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of passes could take. I mean, what if Beast Megatron, what if they decide to go for the thing of like, hey, guess what, Beast Megatron's actually Megatron with fossilizers on him. You know, like, there's... Oh, no. Because, I mean, my my one worry is that this is written... Or not written, sorry. I should be really clear on this. This is showrun by, you know, some very, like, I love G1 growing up kind of, you know, attitudes. Mm -hmm. I I would also maybe say... Oh, God. Don't do that. It's like the Beast cast gets wiped out in episode one, and we just have G1 in the past. I was just gonna... I was about to say, yeah, maybe brace for your Beast characters to be the most expendable characters in the Kingdom season. I don't think they can do that. This is Hasbro trying to sell a toy line, especially one that they haven't... Like, they haven't tested Beasts in 20 years. Like, they need this to actually make them look good. Look what happened to Skylinks and Double Dealer. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> I already had to see Dinobot die once. Don't do it to me again. Uh, I mean, I don't think they could possibly do something so, like, callously cynical as, like, you know, have the G1s take over the Beast Wars story full stop. But, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I want to, I really want to focus on, like, on how exciting the unknown is because also it's only a couple months away. It's not like, it's not like, hypothesizing about a michael bay movie a year before it comes out like yeah there's there's room to have fun with it and and i i truly believe there is a good chance kingdom could be pretty fun i think there's a ceiling on it 
after these two seasons, I think there is a certain ceiling of what to expect, but I think it could be really fun. Also, I just really bear in mind that like friggin' uh, one of the best um, performed star screams is going to be chilling out in this setting as well, right? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> oh my god, they won't go we... for it. They won't go for it. Imagine if Star Scream's yeah. ghost from the future comes this back. This is the way. That's exactly where my head was. <laughs> if they land, if they land right at the point where Star Scream is already in Waspinator, and it's yeah. Star Scream talking with Star Scream. Yeah, and then goes and Starscream's oh. just like, who, "Who killed you?" And Starscream's like, "Galvatron." He's like, "What's a Galvatron?" And St- <laughs> Ghost Starscream's trying to trying to lay down the warnings, but like the Starscreams don't tr- the, the old star like young Starscream doesn't trust Ghost Starscream enough. So every time he tries to warn him, it just backfires. <laughs> or I mean, they could also do the thing. They could do the thing. Ghost Starscream just tries to possess younger Starscream. And causes a paradox on the spot. <laughs> you could par well. You'd also paradox if Ghost Starscream clued in Megatron that he is Galvatron. Oh, that could. Damn, that could be how they could do the reveal too. <laughs> it's like that's him right there. That's just gonna kill you, Galvatron. Well, not yet. And then Megatron's like, wait, Galvatron was a guy from the future who came to. Wait, and then Galvatron shows up going like, hi, I'm... Ga- oh, no. You, you know what's going on. <laughs> no, no, the, no. It's you, but purple. And then Beast Megatron comes out. I did it? No, not you. The, the best part about all this is if they go through with this, Unicron has no room to show up. <laughs> <laughs> I, think at that, I think at that point, Unicron just looking in going, no, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, I mean... Just, you just... Do whatever I'm so, done. Someone on their fan on their fan consultant council probably tells like, no, Unicron Singularity. You know, he's you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Unicron can <laughs> can just devoid himself of caring about this timeline and move on to one of the billions of others. It's fine. Uh, I'm actually yeah. Now I'm actually pretty excited about Kingdom. Um, none of this will happen. None of this. It's so it's it's fun to think of in the in the weird like we're 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 writing fanfic here. Kind of way. I want to. I want to say I've spent about eight years, maybe seven years, trying to shut down us going off the rails of setting ourselves up to be disappointed about cu- upcoming media with with the live action you movies. Fool. It's you been fool. a while. It's been a while. I think it's okay for us to do it now because this is only we have. If it's in May, we have what like four months tops to <laughs> to screw ourselves up. So we're we're all good. Um, I, I, yeah, I am excited about what they're going to do in Kingdom because there is no indication of what they're going to do in Kingdom. You can't look at anything. You can't even look at the Kingdom toy line. There's no clues. Uh, so the, the, the sky is the limit right now. And it is going to be the third one they work on. If there are lessons to have been learned, that is the place where they would show up. I'm not sure if they learned any lessons necessarily or if they had time to implement lessons learned. But uh, I would like it to turn out okay. I think on the whole, even if Kingdom ends up middling, this is going to be a solidly Galaxy Force tier show as far, you know, in the greater milieu of Transformers medias. Um, Yeah. Like, I I think overall, like, if I just needed something to watch that I didn't have to pay too much attention to, I'd be willing to go back to this. That's what I'm expecting. I still want to do the Japanese dub rewatch because they got so many tenured voice actors in for the Japanese dub. Uh, I, I would like to hear what this sounds like with a lot of, you know, experience, like experienced, decades experienced um, 
longtime Japanese uh, seiyus doing the work. Um, I will say the one. This is one thing that that I think is just unfortunate timing on their part. I said it before. In 2010, I would have been over the moon for this series. Uh, oh yeah, it's unfortunate that this series came out about 10 years too late. <laughs> Uh, as far as, like, breaking a lot of new ground on, on the concepts being presented. But I'll also say, it is, you know, it's unfortunate that this series is coming out when IDW2, the comic continuity that's up right now, is hitting such a massive stride. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and and doing a lot of... A lot of the stuff that Siege, I think, wanted to do, but couldn't do as well and it's just getting it's getting shown up it was shown up on the spot by cyberverse uh and idw2 hitting its stride in the as far as being like a transformers fan who is focused on just Transformers stories talking about this uh earthrise was completely overshadowed when it launched like i i I binge watched it in a day and i only watched it really the one time uh (laughs) because i was way more way more excited about what the comic books are doing um TJ, are you caught up on IDW2? Um, I can't remember because they went into spinoffs, and I'm trying to remember if I've... I've I've been keeping up. I've been keeping up. Like, I hit, like, the point in uh, issue 25. Like, I'm caught up on the the main story. The double book. Uh, Yeah. Have you seen... Have you read 26 yet? No. It got better. (laughs) Is what I'll tell you. You know, like... I'm not going to spoil anything, but this is why I'm so excited about IDW2 right now. Just to put into context, like, what excites me. IDW2 was a long, slow game of setting up a lot of the world before conflict was really taking place. Uh, It was kind of boring for a lot of folks. It was not boring for me. I was eating up that world building. It is all paying off now. Um, The conflict has started as of the double size issue, and a lot of plates are still spinning. I was worried they were going to shump, shunt a lot of people into factions or kill them or send them off world. And that was that. They did not. There are a lot of uh, vectors in play right now. Some of them are probably going to be factioned up in the coming months. But right now, holy crap. Like, <laughs> there's so much going on. And some of these characters could disappear for months and it would just be for the better. Uh, and I I think that in, when speaking about the Netflix show, something that's really just kneecapped a lot of the excitement I, I could have for it is that this Netflix show does not have Termagax in it. Uh, and in a show that's trying to have a Megatron who is... Who who was starting his movement and was kind of is kind of hitting the final days of his of the good the good Megatron that he thought he was and he's succumbing to the to to the evil thing that he is. Uh, that story is happening better over in the comics, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that there is a Termagax chilling out, <laughs> who uh, did a lot of that work, you know, off screen beforehand. I like Termagax a lot. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that's all I'll say. Uh, DJ, uh, anything else you want to drop in here? I, th- I think we've been maybe a little mean, but I think that we, uh, I mean, we weren't overly mean. No, no. Like, I want to say, like, just to, just to clarify all this, we can be very critical because we want this to be as good as it can be. And we see where it could be better. 
like overall, like I still enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed Siege, and I like I said, I think this was a better season than Siege. No, mm. I was entertained while I watched it. I'll say I paid more attention to it than when I watched Siege season one. I would agree. I would agree that I I, I was in the same place. I was more engaged until episode five, about halfway through. Um, and I think that it's just that for Siege, if there was a pattern that happened, it happened for me in the opposite with Siege, where I was most engaged by Episode 5, and in this case, Episode five's the one that really lost me for a good couple minutes. Uh, I was, like I said it before, I was definitely more frustrated with this one, but yeah, I I, uh, I said this with the Siege one a lot more loudly, and I hope I hope it's been implied still. Like, if you did really like Earthrise, I'm not here to like get in a fight with you. Uh, I'm not here to tell you you're wrong. Um, because I know there are people who really dig Earthrise and who dug Siege, and uh, I, I, this is too late to say it now, honestly, for this one. But I, I don't think less of you if you liked Earthrise. I just really had, I, I had this on my on my head since I binge watched it, like just stewing of like trying to figure out why I was so irritated by the end. And I hope I've communicated that. And uh, I hope that Kingdom does not have that effect on me. I do not want to watch Kingdom and get angry you know i'm i'm i am uh an anti-hate watch person i think hate watching uh is fine but i think that it very easily spirals out of control uh and i i don't go into things wanting to not like them um that's why also i was like i was worried about doing this podcast to a degree where i was like i don't want to go into this thinking like nah it's time to trash earth rise because as I hopefully communicated, there were chunks of it I did really like, and there were a lot of bullet points I liked, even if they weren't, you know, like, served up on a plate quite the right way. Um, so, we'll see what happens with uh, with Kingdom. Uh, hopefully, someday, Aaron watches Earthrise. Uh, but, you know, if he doesn't, he doesn't, and I don't want to force anyone to watch something, you know? Um In fact, I think that's why we ended up never doing Machinima Power of the Primes. <laughs> I've never oh, finished. Yeah, we didn't. I've, it's because I still have never watched the last half of Machinima: Power of the Primes. Uh, There's good character stuff in those. So I've heard. It's like the thing. I'm still. I'm someday. I'm gonna. I. I mean, I have to. I watched the rest of it. I have to finish it. I, <laughs> the one thing. The one thing we liked in the Machina trilogy, like, really shines in those episodes. Yeah, like I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sometime. Uh, but yeah, um, I like, I like, I, I just, yeah, I don't. Like, this also, I think, why I ended up never doing that book club about Nefarious because I was like, oh, we're gonna trash all over Nefarious, and it's like, but I don't want to reread Nefarious. Nefarious <laughs> is like my least favorite Transformers comic that was ever made. Uh, uh, uh yeah, deviations for me. You know, that could be an interesting one. I liked Deviations, <laughs> even though I don't think I liked it the way it wanted me to like it. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Uh, Devi- yeah, Deviations had too much of a chip on its shoulder over Rodimus in the 86 movie. De- but- Deviations was written by someone who cried in the movie theater as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I, this thing, I would, I would agree with that. And I would say that is definitely a thing that could make one be utterly put off by Deviations. But it did so much creative stuff once I got past that. Uh, although I think I hated the ending of it. I like G.I. Joe Deviations a lot. That was cool. No one remembers that one. Um, 
anyway, I'm dragging this out. We'll uh, we'll talk to yeah. you later. Um, uh, and uh, hey, we're gonna we're gonna hit we're gonna we're gonna hit some some more stuff. Uh, I've been going. I, I laid out a plan to TJ and Aaron of what I want to do for the next two episodes. Although I've already tweaked it a bit in my head. I might want to do something different, because, uh, I mean, yeah, episode 600 is coming up, and I don't have really like, a huge big idea for it, but there is something that we haven't done that I would really like to do, and it would be fun to do that for 600, so I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Either way, we will be back with some more Transformers talk. Thank you for checking this out. Uh, if you did, if you didn't, if you checked out because we were doing spoilers, and then somehow we're told what time code to fast forward to to hear the outro, then, holy crap, you are a good listener. Uh, thank you. But uh, we will talk to you all later. Stay safe. Uh, wear your mask. Take care of yourself. As I will keep saying, I demand your survival. And uh, as best you can, uh, please do so. Please be safe. And we will talk to you later. It means, but you got some badass perpetrators that are here to stay.